0: Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, we're planting seeds, tilling
1: fields, and getting some potpourri, you know what I'm saying? Actually, no, Paul, I don't. Uh, oh...
2: Well, howdy, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Region Free Gamers podcast. My name is Arnaldo. I'll be your host for this lovely episode. Before we get started... One, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for taking the time to interact with us every time you do so. But please, if you can, and if you enjoy what you hear, even if you don't enjoy what you hear, go on iTunes, give us a a rating and a review. We love hearing from you guys. And this is the best way for other people to find us and us to sort of keep growing as a show. So can't tell you how much it helps us out. If you want to do something else for us, go check out our podcast. Check us out on all our other stuff. But rate and review is number one always. Um... With that out of the way, as I try to do it as quickly as possible, uh, let me undo one of the straps of my overalls so I can calmly introduce you to my two amazing co-hosts for this episode. Uh, First up, out of the East Coast, uh, the best farmhand in the
1: land, his name is Ozzy. How you doing, Ozzy? Well, I've been up since five in the morning milking the cows and (laughs) tilling the soil, so I already have my farmer's tan Yeah, Um, it's always important
2: to water your cows and milk your crops or something. Perfect (laughs) delineation between my arms and my uh, overalls. (laughs) And uh, out of the West Coast, uh, joining us for the first time ever on the Region Free Gamers, which is always makes me very excited when we get new people in. uh, The number one member of farmersonly.com. Let me introduce (laughs) you to James Moeller, aka Clutch Kitten Gaming.
0: How are you doing, James? doing so well man um i am from oregon though so i've been up since 5:30 tilling my marijuana crops is that okay <laughs> for this show or is
2: that,
0: is that an issue
2: <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine and also i think that's going to be the new cash crop in the new harvest moon game so it makes perfect sense probably um, probably <laughs> except Earth they'll call it something harvest moon yeah they'll call it something stupid like magic herb
0: or something like that <laughs> they'll make sure there's a warning at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, um, it's funny
1: because you can't really grill tobacco in Harvest Moon if I recall correctly. So I don't think you can. Yeah, There's... so I don't think that that would also go hand in hand. I think it's probably because Harvest Moon is probably not set in the south. I know. Uh, I, I do not know, it strike me as a very southern type of setting, Yeah, uh, mineral town. Um, <laughs> seems to me more of like, uh, I don't know, Japanese or maybe Midwest in the US perhaps? Yeah, yeah let's call Midwest. It Midwest. Yeah, like I would well, say Midwest. Here's the thing: I'm surprised that nobody's ever made
2: like a parody Harvest Moon game where it's all about growing like like I don't know barley and wheat and rye and like making your own sort of illegal moonshine or something like that. I um, you, you can that, just
1: make beer. Why do you just make illegal moonshine? Just make beer, dude.
0: <laughs> I played a um like a beer making game, like a home game, on my oh, phone really? before, and I Ooh. and I know there was like literally a weed game recently. They came out. It was, I I thought about doing it for the show because it was an (laughs) indie game, but I was like, Hell yeah! I don't know if I want yeah. to make a dank purple purple Kush uh, and talk about that on the show, so I didn't yeah. end up doing it. But you've had so, to
2: edit a lot of air horns into your into your podcast. <laughs> so it that's was right. a
1: homebrew, homebrew, James. Uh, that's a uh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's right. I remember back in the day, there used to be uh, a tycoon game for everything oh, or yeah. a sim game for everything, and it was just some of the most strangest things. And now. For some reason, I don't know, the twenty-year itch seems to be hitting. It seems to be coming back. Yeah, and now I think there is like um, PC building simulator in your PC. Yep.
2: There is um, wasn't there like a YouTuber t- uh, game like that where it was like you'd essentially like it was a simulation game of you trying to become like a viral yeah, YouTuber, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like,
1: you know, like um, influencer story or something that's like, right. stuff like that <laughs> Are, th- are that's, you talking about the Honey that's Pop what games? Keeps- is that, is that yeah what no. it's probably the honey pop games <laughs> that is one
2: games. of them but those are oh, okay. adult oriented but there's just one where you're just like I just want to be a
1: YouTuber and
2: you oh. like have to like make your videos and edit them and like no, release but them I,
1: and stuff Games. I think the honey pop games is like that's an adult you know YouTuber yeah. oh okay <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so, so that might be a different kind of YouTuber I didn't realize that thank you
2: <laughs> oh my god it's been a while since I've hosted and I'm realizing how much I love
1: it now no um, it's uh, it, it's uh, this other um, they're Apple you know developers so they're usually on aisles and stuff I forgot yeah. their name Simago or something or yeah. Zynga some, or something like no, that no not Zynga not <laughs> Zynga uh, but in any case now we have things like you know we used to aspire to be roller coaster tycoons and now we aspire mm-hmm. to be influencers on YouTube so that's I guess right. the times have changed a bit um, and <laughs> just a little bit yeah, there's just no better way to show the cracks of time falling into your bones. Um, oh, so, uh, God, I got too depressed too quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that brings up
0: like old school gaming with Zoo Tycoon where where like you jack up the prices of bathrooms to $20 a pop. And I just remember those being such fun times. I feel like it doesn't work quite as well with like PC simulator or building a PC on yeah, on, uh, in a game. So I think I think we should bring some of those tycoons back.
2: Yeah, it's oh, not I think as they're exciting. coming back. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. yeah, I good. think a, yeah. there was a roller coaster tycoon that released for the Switch, and I think it was like no, but that one was terrible. Yeah, uh, it was really no, bad. If
1: you want to play a modern roller coaster tycoon game, and I know that we're off the rails already, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Planet Coaster uh, by Ooh. Frontier Games. I mean, they're the ones okay. who are kind of doing the new sort of tycoon games, and mm-hmm. so right now they've been working on a on a new Sue. Uh, planet Sue or something like that, oh, okay. whatever it's called. And so it's kind of like a successor, a spiritual successor to Sue uh, Tycoon, um, yeah. which I know had a lot of fans back in the day. I never played mm-hmm. Sue Tycoon. I was always a roller coaster tycoon type of yeah. guy, and I did make impossible roller coasters yep. and then <laughs> launch my. You know, my poor guess.
2: That was the Off best the part, was making the roller coaster yeah. that you knew was going to kill everybody. Yes. And watching actually, it, like, explode. I, I didn't
1: kill people that that often on, on roller coasters. At Coon. It was only when I was fed up, um, oh, gotcha. which doesn't speak very well of me. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. We don't endorse any of this. Um, <laughs> no, I would just make very, very complicated roller coasters. I would try to see ah, how... Gotcha extreme i could make them but no one wanted to go in it it was like ah, i see as, as soon as they saw they were gonna go into the line and they were just like oh nope, oh, <laughs> nope <laughs> out of here <laughs> i'm not doing this uh those games were ultra fun we do gotta make an episode about this uh, i know they were
2: they were really entertaining but to get back on track a little bit, um, James, since this is your first time on the Region Free Gamers podcast, I have to do the obligatory uh, couple questions so questions. Nah, don't make it our like it's such a short, man. Come on. Listeners <laughs> can get to know you. I know. Okay. This is the worst part. Everybody loves this part. Um, but it's funny because this is a little different. Usually when when we do these, we haven't had a lot of interaction with people um, before they come on the show in, in person, sort of in like talking to them yeah Um, but i've met you in person before and you've also interviewed me and paul for your podcast yes
0: sir Um, i just don't like ozzy that's why he hasn't been on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no one likes
1: me i'm the i'm the crank of the group so crank of the group (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: but so I think it's going to be interesting if, if any of your listeners come in to listen to this, cause they've already maybe heard us talking a little bit to you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but what I wanted to know was, we always ask this question is what are some of your first experiences with video games? Like what were some of the video games that got you into video gaming? Yeah, this is always such an interesting
0: question um, mm-hmm. because I, I ask it of my guests when I have them on, but it's like, <laughs> I don't always think about it for myself. Um,
2: ah, the tables have turned.
0: The tables have turned. But I was thinking, um, my parents weren't big console people, but we did have some PCs and okay. because video games were, were, they didn't think they were evil, but because video games were bad, you know, mm-hmm. we we're supposed to be outside playing and getting uh, our energy out. The, the games that we got were mostly learning company games growing up. So it was a lot of like Oregon Trail 3, Operation Neptune, you know, games that made you like work to, to play the game. Um, but those actually made me start liking games more. And then from there, I would be going over to my neighbor's house who actually mm-hmm. had the consoles. So he had a SNES, he had a computer with uh, the likes of backyard soccer and we'd play super mario world and all that sort of stuff and uh-huh. it was just like the learning company games and then all of his stuff on the snes and ps2 and onward that kind of oh, got nice. me into gaming originally
1: yeah okay yeah and it's and how do your parents feel now that you have a game <laughs> podcast after all their hard <laughs> effort and not making you
0: play games i think uh they're very supportive of me they uh, whenever they ask about my uh my podcast they 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 first of all, I think podcasts kind of confuse them a little bit, but they're very supportive, and they're like, you know, we don't understand the whole gaming thing, but that's awesome. You like it? That's awesome. You're you're doing something you enjoy. So I think now they they're they're cool with it. But back in the mm-hmm. day, um, yeah, it was mostly just learning company games. Um, although <laughs> somehow I don't know how it happened, but we got some games like Lego Racers one and two. I don't know if oh, you... I love Lego Racers. Yeah, yeah like, those were good. Yeah, and like. We didn't have to do any math equations or learn history to play them, so I don't know how in the world they came into our house.
2: (laughs) No, that was... um, I remember one of the first PC games
1: I ever got was Lego Island, and I loved that game so much. Um, They were kind of sandbox games before their time. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't look great, but for a child or someone that was you know, developing, um, I think it, it presented a lot of opportunities to really do fun things with it. And I think that was kind of in the spirit of Lego. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
2: um, but did you ever get like, so I know you did a lot of educational gaming. Did you ever get like the sort of secret you do learn, but it's, it, you're not really learn like, it's more fun than actual learning, like Carmen San Diego or like <laughs> yeah, pajama I- Sam or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean I think like Carmen San Diego was definitely one of those games I, I yeah. mean most most of those games I do remember as being more fun than not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean the the people who were developing them weren't trying to like <laughs> oppress kids with the, with learning this stuff. They were obviously trying to make it fun. So um yeah, I did enjoy them. Um Oregon Trail 3 was definitely positive. Operation Neptune was this one where you um where you were operating this sub. And Mm. that one was the math equation one, but that one was always fun because you could shoot, you had like a ammunition of these ink pellets that you could shoot these um, fish as you go deeper and deeper into the, into the ocean. And so that one was really fun. Um, It's, I can't really remember many others offhand, but, but yeah, they were good, good games despite, I don't know, feeling a little bit like school, but. So when
1: do you recall actually getting into other types of games that were non-educational? How did that process come about?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the um, exact timeline was, but I would probably attribute a lot of it to going over to my friends, playing, uh, again, I think backyard soccer, and there was a Ooh. Scooby-Doo game on the PC back in the day okay. that I remember playing with him. All I remember is um, how fun it was to give Scooby snacks to Scooby because, I mean, obviously <laughs> that's fun. Um, and then, yeah, lots of SNES, and then I remember kind of a heyday of playing lots of uh, Need for Speed on the PS2. I remember playing a Shrek game on the PS2. Um, <laughs> there's lots of random memories that are kind of swirling around. The quality around. seems to be all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. But uh, but we did play, you know, Super Mario World. So that was always okay. a classic on the SNES. Yeah. That that was the main SNES game I remember playing with him. But okay. but I mean, that you could buy the entire console for that game. So I don't think it was... Um, too bad just playing that, No,
2: but absolutely not. Um, one thing I was going to say, cause we've mentioned it already. Um, uh, but for those of you who don't know, you do have your own podcast, the clutch kitten gaming podcast. I do. Um, and just as a quick overview and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm wrong about a lot of things, um, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the the conceit or the or the uh, main drive of the podcast is you play an indie game for five hours and then you sort of give your take on whether people should buy it and play it or avoid it. Is that correct?
0: Can you say that once more? I'm going to record it so I can use that for my intro. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 is the main conceit. Um, okay. Yeah, the main conceit is um, basically just reviewing a single indie game each episode and basically mm-hmm. telling listeners whether or not I think it's worth. Uh, their time and money to to actually play it.
2: Okay, and so yeah. I guess from that, my main question would be, especially based on what you're telling us, like you grew up playing and the the kinds of games that sort of shaped you as you were coming up. What sort of piqued your interest in indie games specifically? Like, what was it about indie games that made it so you wanted to talk about them this much? Yeah, I I liked this question
0: um because it got me thinking more. I I think a lot of it actually stemmed from almost necessity. When I decided that I wanted to do a podcast, it was like, okay, Mm. I want, um, I want at least a little bit of a niche and there's a couple limitations that I have. Um, Mm. I work a full time job, so I obviously have limited hours, so I can't play like a hundred hour game every single week. Uh, That's just, (laughs) that's just not feasible. (laughs) And then I have a life outside of games, which, means I actually have bills to pay and, um, you know, I like to do some things outside of just gaming that cost money. So I can't spend 60 bucks on a game every single week. So that was like part of the whole thing where it's like, okay, indie games are usually cheaper and they're usually smaller. So they're more bite-sized. I feel like Mm -hmm. they're feasible to play. And then honestly through that, I've really grown to love indie, um, indie as a concept more for gaming. Um, okay and it's kind of hard because indie's a little bit um obscure might be the wrong word but mm-hmm. in terms of like there's there's huge indie developers like insomniac which actually they're not indie anymore but they used to be and they're developing mm-hmm. these gigantic games that everyone knows about and then there's the one-man shops like concerned ape who did stardew and yep. there's there's like such a span of what indie is but I think the concept of indie being this um, way of development where you're not being controlled by a board of directors who are just trying to make the most money it's about um passion and ingenuity in a lot of these Mm -hmm. games so i think that's what has kind of kept me coming back for more indies because it's like yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of garbage indies and i'm not saying at all that um triple a's are bad there's a lot of amazing triple a games that Mm -hmm. aren't just there to be greedy but like So many indie games um, take it a step beyond because they don't necessarily have the backing of this huge amount of money or a huge team, but there's all this passion and, um, man, that's the only word I can think of right now, but like passion and um, ingenuity in their games that just creates these amazing products like um, Supergiant Games. They have um, multiple different games, Transistor, Bastion, Hades Mm -hmm. now. They're like all these different genres. That they've excelled in with this amazing art style and kind of narrative quality to them, and I I could go on for so long. So I'll I'll stop talking about it. But
2: yeah, and I mean, it's it's I like I like what you're saying makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, for example, I'm thinking about it now as like indie has sort of become like this catch-all term Mm -hmm. for me. Like it's sort of abstract at this point. Yeah, Um, and I think. I, I'm not very good with words, so I think Ozzy will have to help me out a little bit in, in this description, but at least for me, it's sort of... it's exci- It's an exciting time for indie games for me, because it feels like, for the first time in a while, especially in the gaming space, like... It's you don't know what to expect now. You know when I, mm-hmm. what there was a, a a space in time when every new big release I was like, oh okay, it's I I think I know what this game is going to be even before I really sit down and play it. Like I think I there's certain patterns that big developers are following and sort of mm-hmm. mechanics that are baked into most games just by default. And now with indie games, it's just like I don't know what the next thing that's gonna come out is i like i remember this weekend people were you know not to date the episode already but uh the new lynx awakening is coming out and mm-hmm. i've heard just as many people talking about sayonara wild hearts and untitled goose game as i have people yeah. talking about lynx awakening and that's crazy you know yeah, like I the fact uh,
1: that mm-hmm. there's there's the element of innovation which is very important but there's yeah. also the element of the tools have finally caught up with this uh, aficionados to the point that these are people that grew up loving the same games that we loved yeah. mm-hmm. and they're trying to either recreate the feel of those games that we loved mm-hmm. or iterate upon them in a way that hasn't been done in years because they were not seen as marketable anymore and i think that's what's particularly exciting because you have nostalgic games but you also have games that Really take you in very different directions, kind of like, let's say, Valhalla. Mm-hmm. You know, Cyberpunk mm-hmm. bartender simulator. Yep. Um, you know, which me- meshes the the dating scene aspect or the visual novel aspect with a kind of bartending, you know, kind of sim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's it's really interesting because I feel like the the field has now been leveled to the point that. You can actually get a very good game, you know, by just one person, you know, something like a Stardew Valley Mm -hmm. or something like an Axiom Verge or Or this other. Yeah, or Undertale. And, you know, it only, the only thing that it requires of you, of course it requires talent, but the only thing Mm -hmm. it requires you is passion and commitment. And these games take a, a large number of years, something like Hyper Light Drifter takes a large number of years to make... Mm -hmm. But it's all done by one person, and so you have this very singular vision, and so it's a return of sorts to the old times, you know, in the late 80s and the early 90s, I mean, even before that, but where you had two, three, four-person teams, and they were the ones that would make the games that you grew to love. Mm -hmm. You know, something like Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, was probably done by like four or five people, Mm -hmm. Um, and one of those was the composer and sound producer. Um, So... That's what I think has really made a, a big impact. It's not necessarily the fact that, that India as a whole has become a concept. It's just that it's really proselytized. It's really mm. democratized. The tools of game development, and now it used to be that the only thing you could use back in the day, if you were an an indie developer, was like 3D Game Studio or something like that. Now there's just such a wealth Mm -hmm. of different types of engines and different ways of making your own game, and there's so much literature out there about making your own game, which didn't exist before. Yeah, that really it only takes dedication and commitment if you really want to make a game.
2: Yeah, and I think you know the people coming up now who are seeing all these you know, one, two, three man teams, that's, I think that sort of sparks you as a creative, right? Like when you see this many people doing it, it shows you like, yeah, this isn't impossible. Like I should try to do this. I should sort of dip my toe in this and see how I can you know make this work
1: without getting into too much of a digression but James you may be able to speak to this and I think that that's where something like your podcast really comes into play Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue right now is a problem of discovery yeah Um, yeah there are so many when uh, the moment that you lower the barrier of entry you're going to have a floodgate being open of releases and, Mm -hmm. and products and the problem that we have right now, and I, I am seeing it now on the Switch, the Switch started out as being a an indie machine, and now mm-hmm. it's turning into something that needs more curation. Yep. It's also happened on the PS4. I mean, let's not even talk about Steam, because <laughs> everything almost goes on Steam. Yeah. And so, you know, even recently, uh, good old games for GOG.com got into a bit of a tussle because they rejected one of the games. And it turns mm-hmm. out that it was a really good game. And they said, well, mm-hmm. it's curated. Eventually, they had to backtrack and say, no, we're going to allow it. Mm. But it really speaks to the concept and question of, you know, at what point do we need a gatekeeper? And I think yeah. in that respect, James, you serve as kind of a gatekeeper because whoever listens to you will know, is this worth my time or not? Yeah. And you're always trying to find and discover new developers. But my concern here is that there are going to be very good games that are going to be made with hard labor mm-hmm. and then it's gonna take three four years of someone's life and then they're just gonna disappear and so yeah what I'm seeing it's almost like you know it used to be that this would apply to like writers you know you would write your novel and this would be the novel that you have in your heart and it would be amazing but no one would read it and it would only be discovered years and years later mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and that's what concerns me that there could be very talented people that may just have a one-off game not succeed and then just get out of games altogether um, yeah so that's that's something that i'm very concerned about i mean and there are also a lot of different circumstances i mean if, if you can make your money back on the game that you've made or if you can be profitable and i mean how are you going to pay your bills you know i'm thinking about someone like um you know thomas happ who did axiom verge mm-hmm. you know he put a lot of his you know time and years into that game but then you know, he had personal family issues. And so he hasn't really been able to focus on developing a new game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of bittersweet in a way how, you know, games are becoming more and more prevalent, but at the same time, it's becoming harder to discover them.
0: Yeah, you're I, you, you totally hitting the nail on the head there. It's there's so much content out there. It's just like I'm doing a single podcast every single week covering a single game. But there's like, you know, hundreds. And you still
1: of, feel like you're you're falling behind. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> so much, so much so. Um, my backlog is huge. I, you, to be quite honest, it, it's going to sound super dumb and I guess naive, but like when I started the podcast, I was like, man, I hope I have enough games to to keep going every single week. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you're laughing, and now I'm like, okay, I have ten games that I could play this week or more that are already yeah. in my libraries. I don't, I don't even have to go out and buy more games. And yeah. there's just too many to play. And the issue is there's so many good ones. And then there's a lot of this clutter of bad games because there are a lot of just junky games that ca- people kind of just throw out there to you know, hopefully rake in a little bit of money. And then those end up clouding out these amazing games. And like recently, um, Ozzy, you talked a lot about Blazing Chrome. I wouldn't have heard about that if it wasn't for... For your podcast, for RFG, mm-hmm. and um, I think uh, I think Arnoldo also mentioned it as well, but it's like, a game like that I wouldn't have heard about otherwise, because it's just getting lost in this huge um, ocean of games that are out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever thought, James, about doing something like, since you can't cover everything, just you know, kind of like a quick fire type of like, okay, these games, yes, no, yes, no, or something <laughs> like that. Kind of like a, the a weekly round 30 up. second review.
0: I, I would love to do something like that. I think I'm always trying to look for ways to kind of um, increase the the value that I can um, provide with the podcast. And that's definitely yeah. one one way to possibly do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so it's such a difficult thing because We only have so much time in our days. We we all, you know, are working and it's like, I can't cover all these things, but I want to because there's so many good things that you don't want people to miss. And yeah, um, like like Valhalla being a perfect example. I didn't play that until earlier this year, and that was an amazing game. And when I put out an episode about it, there's a ton of people who have never heard about it before, but it's like, yeah, that's that's probably for so many other games, including that one. But
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will say one thing. Um, because I'm really enjoying sort of this line that we're going down. And that is, you know, like you said, there's so many games now that it's, it's hard for you to even decide which ones you're doing for a specific episode. And you talked about a problem of uh, like more bad games being sort of in the market or in the sphere now. Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes feel? The, cause I know obviously, at least for me, like when we talk about certain things, we've obviously talked about good things, bad things, good games, bad games, but it, I feel like it's so much more engaging and so much more entertaining for people when you're talking about an experience you enjoy. Yeah. Do you feel sometimes inclined to talk about games that you, that you know are going to be good or that you have more of a feeling that you're going to enjoy? Or do you really just try to be like, this is the game, like, let's go into it blind. If I like it or if I don't, I'll just say what I feel.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I, yeah, I, I totally feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, so the way I kind of grade my games, I guess, instead of doing a, you know, scale of one to 10 at the end of my yeah. episodes, I basically say, um, essentially, should you buy it? Should you wait for a sale or should you basically leave it alone? And, yeah, uh, when I start playing too many games where I where I tell people to leave it alone and not touch it, I, it starts feeling bad because I, I hate just spending 20 minutes railing on a game. But yeah. I also, you know, if it's a bad game, I'm not going to <laughs> not tell people that. Of um, course, it's not yeah. uh, I'm not being paid by any of these developers to review their game well. So it's like, I, I want to give an accurate picture. And so that does play into the games I choose each week. Luckily, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the games I look at have already been out for a little bit, at least. I try to keep uh, the games I look at within the past two years usually of okay. um, recency, but usually I have at least an idea of whether or not a game uh, should be good. Sometimes okay. sometimes, my opinion does um, differ from what the popular opinion is, but usually it's like, okay, there's a there's a pretty good sense of what this game is before I go into it. Um, okay. Okay. Something I've been kind of working through recently is I've I've started getting games either before they're out or, like, just as they're coming out. And yeah. that has presented a unique um, scenario for myself. I know, you know, game reviewers have been dealing with this for forever, but yeah. I've started having to really, like, okay, is it... Uh, I have to, I have to start putting hours, many hours into the game before I realize whether or not it's good. I can't just like yeah. look at some meta scores and be like, okay, I think this will probably be a good game. I have to go yeah. into it and kind of cross my fingers and hope that it's decent. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, You're- yeah, sorry, go ahead.
2: You're now becoming like one of the earliest <clears throat> sort of voices. Like you can't you can't sort of cross reference what you think yeah. versus what other people have said and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things that uh, interests me a lot because reviewers, their early impressions, will really shape the dialectic and the discourse over the game, and it can you know make or break a game. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And
1: so if if you're overly critical but you're not being fair to the game, then that's probably going to impact the game in many more magnitudes than someone that reviews it one week after the fact. Yeah. So there's kind of a great responsibility hoisted upon you yeah and for I mean so for me in particular don't worry yes, you gotta destroy the <laughs> dreams and hopes of a, of a very young developer that will never <laughs> go into gaming again because Clutch 15 gaming years said, from now some sale.
2: YouTuber will point to your review oh of some game that it's a hidden gem now and you said it was okay at the time and yeah. they'll make fun of you it'll be fine I'm pretty
1: sure that there are sh- every single reviewer <laughs> out there every single journalist out there has a review in their backlog that they k- wish
0: they could take back. Yeah, oh, yeah, probably. And I mean that. Trust me, that's a great point, Ozzy. I think it's it's such an interesting thing. I I mean, I don't have like millions of listeners trusting on my reviews to be like buying whatever their next game is every week. Yeah, I, I you know I have a sm- much smaller audience than that, but um mm-hmm. you know you still feel a uh, responsibility to give an accurate picture of what's going on. And there was one game I remember reviewing and. When I have a game that I don't like, I try to be as positive as I can about the things that are at least uh, adequate or decent. Yeah. Like, maybe the art's okay, but the gameplay just is shit. Like, I I don't know what it is, but there was this one game where I I did not like the game at all, but this was something where (laughs) these two developers had just quit their jobs a couple years prior, and, like, they put a lot of time and, I'm sure, a lot of money into it, and it's like, even though not a ton of people are listening to this review i still feel bad for saying bad things when you know you you know these people's livelihoods are in this game and so yeah yeah there's always that kind of balance where you don't want to just completely shit on whatever you're talking about but you also have to you have a responsibility to your viewers and your listeners to um present accurate information
2: so absolutely I think with that, we've gotten a good picture of of James and what he's, what he's doing. And now we're going to subject him to our (laughs) podcast format and we're going to talk about Harvest Moon. Um, This was an interesting topic. I don't, I don't think when I when we I don't know about you, Ozzy, when we started the show, Harvest Moon was not like a game that I thought would be good podcast content. Like, I don't know if that's unfair <laughs> well, to that's say because
1: you probably didn't play it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, it's I, just like, I, you know, I I have played some Harvest Moon. I've never been a huge harvest moon guy like it's just not the, the the type of gameplay that i'm super into um but here's here's one thing is if somebody had been like do you want to play a farming rpg i would have been like no <laughs> um but apparently a lot of people do and it's you know people love this sort of thing and i can see the appeal i can um so I think what we're going to try to do in this episode is just go through a little bit of history and talk about some of the bigger games in the series. Um, before we get started, I I did want to do a little rundown um, on the history of, of Harvest Moon or at least one particular aspect of it. One, because I was not aware of it and I thought it was extremely interesting. Um, so if you guys will indulge me for a second... Um, one of the things I learned when I was researching this is that apparently Harvest Moon is no longer Harvest Moon. Um, it's Story of Seasons now, but there is also a Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon has now sort of bifurcated into these two separate series. And I was so confused because in my ignorant brain, I thought that Harvest Moon was a Natsume property. I've always associated Harvest Moon with Natsume. They've been publishing the games in English for, I, I mean, at this point like what almost almost two decades Mm -hmm. um but it's not it's actually a a property of uh initially developed by victor interactive software which was acquired by marvelous entertainment in 2003 um so what it ended up happening is up until 2013 natsume was handling all the english releases and all the english uh translation and distribution uh in america and then Marvelous decided they wanted to hand that distribution over to their American di- distributor, which is XSeed Games. I love XSeed. I had no idea that XSeed was a distributor for Marvelous. Um, I didn't but, realize that either until this episode. Yeah, exactly. So, this is already blowing my mind immediately. <laughs> and so, what happens is they split. Basically, uh, Marvelous goes to Natsume and they're like, uh, we're going to take over distributing um, and translation of all Harvest Moon games from now on. Backseed's going to handle that. And Natsume turns around and is like, that's cool, but we also own the Harvest Moon name. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's not what you're going to do. And so yeah. Marvelous is like, well, we're just going to change the name to Story of Seasons and we're just going to assume that people are going to understand that it's still Harvest Moon.
1: Uh, they still don't. I mean, <laughs> and so, what, so what you have now is uh, you have... Natsume publishing Harvest Moon and Correct. they're basically knockoffs. They're like complete, yes. yeah. you know, sheep cash of what Harvest Moon used to be and yes. so they really don't have any type of charm or heart or soul and uh, it's really a, a shame because to the common uh, person that may have loved, I don't know, Harvest Moon 64 yep. Back to Nature, they say, okay, well I wanna try a new Harvest Moon game but or a farming game and I don't necessarily wanna do one of these app games or something. Yeah. And they try Harvest Moon light of whatever, I don't know what the <laughs> name is, and and they see this and they say, What has happened to this? Yeah. And they are suddenly put off by what they see as a decline in quality. Yep. Yeah. You know, independently of you know the whole split. I do think the Harvest Moon did have a decline in quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I I I do have a lot of opinions on the art style and the way that Harvest Moon kind of went after it. You know, went to the Wii around mm-hmm. that period of Tree of Tranqu- Tranquility. Yeah. Harvest Moon sort of diverged where it didn't really know what its identity would be. That's the same time that we started seeing, like, uh, Rune. um uh, what Rune is Factory. Yeah. Rune Factory. And we started seeing Innocent Life, a Harvest yeah. Moon, a Futuristic Harvest Moon, things like that, where just Harvest Moon was spreading its tentacles everywhere, and it pulsed to the Harvest Moon uh, uh, as well. And so, it, you know, the main life franchise... It just didn't really know how to evolve. Um, and, you know, without getting too ahead of myself, that's where something like Stardew Valley really mm-hmm. did well because mm-hmm. they knew what worked and took it back to basics yeah. without really trying to do too much and trying to present, I don't know, a zoo or something like that as an innovative play mechanic or something. Yeah. So, um, they took
2: it back to nature is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, and so I think that the Harvest Moon name, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that it's still being used but not in a good way um, yeah. and hopefully, you know, eventually people kind of, you know, warm up to Story of Seasons but I think, you know the idea of Story of Seasons, I mean that name is so different from Harvest Moon yes. that I don't see people necessarily making an association between one and the other um, and it's really kind of a shame.
2: I, I do remember seeing like the, the first Story of Seasons game that Xe published on the 3DS and being so confused because I was like, this looks exactly like Harvest Moon, like mm-hmm. what is this? Um, well, there was and, one
1: Harvest Moon that released that was almost like a Minecraft moon uh, yes. or something like there's, that.
2: There's, I, I yeah, think like if w- you look at the catalog of Harvest Moon post 2013, it's sad.
1: It's it, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. What, wasn't that one yeah, from? And, and, you know, what, but sorry, it is, it is what it is. And if you're a, um, you know, a, a hardcore fan, then you will know what, you know, you're, you have yeah. to look for. Um, what were you saying, James? I
0: was, I was saying, wasn't the the kind of Minecraft one one of those from Natsume? Um, after they kind of split yep. off, yep. wasn't that yep. the first yep. one? Yep. And and people didn't like it because it was like a yep. like a shitty version of Minecraft. I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah.
2: Because basically, what's happened, and and Ozzy pointed to this, and this is like one of those things that I, for example, don't really think of as just like a casual game player, but it's the fact that like. I really associate, especially early on, now I'm a lot better about it, but early on in my video game life, like, the name on the box is the name I associate with the game, right? So, like, the publisher for me, in a lot of cases, was, like, my link to that video game. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I think, when I thought Harvest Moon before, I was like, oh, it's a Natsume thing, like, obviously, because their name's always on the box. And so, it's a really good example of, like, When you strip away the development team, especially if it's a development team that's been working on a series for a long time, Mm -hmm. how you can just rip the soul right out of a game and make it something, like, unrecognizable to the people who grew up really loving that game. Because now I think what Natsume does is they just farm out the next Harvest Moon game to whatever developer they feel like. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I mean, it's just that Natsume was never a developer. Yeah, no, no, They they were just a localizer. They were... The same as, let's say, working designs, you yeah. know, they, they didn't really do the development themselves. It was just they did the work of localizing. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's value in that. But in terms of actually making a game, I don't think they really have the capabilities to do mm-hmm. that. So, they just outsource it.
2: Yeah. Um, but so, I thought that was super interesting because now what you're seeing is basically every Harvest Moon game 2013 backwards is a is now a story of seasons game. Um, And then every Harvest Moon game that's still being produced today is like technically Harvest Moon, but not really like in name only, essentially. It's so confusing
0: Um, how it is now. Yeah,
2: it's it's what's in a name? What's in a name? Exactly.
1: As Shakespeare would
2: say. (laughs) Yeah. So basically that whole that whole line was to establish like the games we'll be talking about are all called harvest moon but they're technically part of story of seasons at this point mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter but i just wanted to clear that up for historical purposes i want you know give that information because i think it's important for people to understand that sort yeah. of stuff yeah.
1: um, um all right so let's take a break garney uh, uh, before we get into the first one
2: yeah absolutely let's take a quick yep. break And we're back. So, let's dive into some Harvest Moon, guys. Let's let's plant some seeds. Let's
1: let's harvest it's some crops. It's amazing that we still haven't talked about turnips or egg cows. cows or anything you know related to actual farm work. Let's, <laughs> let's shear some sheep. Let's uh,
2: let's marry one of the six women that I'm allowed to marry <laughs> um, by law.
1: Listen, one of them, if we're talking about Friends of Mineral Town, one of them was the Harvest <laughs> Goddess, so I don't... That is true. Sorry about it. You're not going to get that on the first go around. that pretty <laughs> so sweet.
2: It's um, fine for you. <laughs> All right, so Harvest Moon, here we go. So the game series was created by Yasuhiro Wada. Uh, Harvest Moon was his first game concept three years after he got into working at Victor Interactive, which handled development for the majority of Harvest Moon games. Um, he has said that he wants people to find happiness by going back to nature, and you can really see that as the main conceit of Harvest Moon. Like, if you play any Harvest Moon game, i mean we'll we'll get into this as we talk about the individual games, but it basically boils down to you've inherited or you've obtained a rundown farm, and you have to work to sort of bring it back to life and make it successful again, so I can really see that sort of philosophy in the games that he's making
1: um, yeah it, and it's and I think he said before I couldn't find the interview yesterday about I read it before that he mm-hmm. he built the concept around. You know, his nostalgia for when he was a kid growing up in the countryside. And you could really see that in these games because there's always a sense of, you know, kind of recapturing your childhood and kind of reconnecting with your childhood memories. Um, That's something that's very strong, at least in Back to Nature. Uh, but. You know, it, it always starts, Harvest Moon games always start with some sort of tragedy. Your grandpa probably died, most likely, you know, mm-hmm. your grandpa uh, left you a farm. And so, it's always around the concept of kind of revisiting something that you once knew, but that you've kind of walked away from for a while. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, I do want to ask you guys, like, what was your introduction to Harvest Moon, even if it wasn't? A harvest moon game like what was your introduction to the sort of mechanics of harvest moon so james why don't you go first
0: yeah uh friends of mineral town was my first introduction to the game um or to the series and just concept as a whole um Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what made me really love the whole farming rpg kind of style of game and yeah i can't remember exactly when i played it but i remember really enjoying the farming enjoying selling the crops and doing kind of the main um cycle of the game but not fully Mm. getting into the social aspect of it um i don't know if i just didn't realize it was there or i just it was one of those things where it's like okay i guess i can talk to people but what does it do um so it wasn't really until i went to stardew and like really got into that hardcore and then realized I was like, oh, man, I'm so dumb. I needed to do all of these things. (laughs) And like since then, I've kind of gotten back into Friends of Mineral Town. But yeah, that was kind of where my introduction was. And um, I think it it really clicked right off the bat in terms of like the purpose of the game. Kind of like you Mm -hmm. guys were saying, it's like going back to nature, kind of going back to these childhood roots. When you start these games, it's like, oh man, this is, this is comfortable. You're going to this broken down farm, but it's like, oh man, I, this is comfortable to do. I can fix up this farm. I can make money and make friends. And it's, it's all very, um, happy in the sense of what you're doing and, uh, what you're accomplishing.
2: Okay. Um, uh, what about you, Ozzy? I know you have a troubled history with Harvest Moon <laughs> and you're still recovering <laughs> to this day, but why don't, you, what don't I... you tell me about it?
1: Let me just put it this way. The moment that I I put in Stardew Valley and I went like, I don't know, 10 days in, I said, I'm going to put this down and I'm not going to touch it ever, ever again. Um, And it wasn't because it was bad. It was because it was that good. Um, Yeah. I, you know, remember when I first saw Harvest Moon was with Harvest Moon 64. Okay. And it was around... 2000 um harvestman 64 came out in 99 if i recall correctly i
3: believe and, you are, yeah. um,
1: you know i just i didn't have a 64 so i couldn't really play it but i did like the idea of a farming game and i remember mm. I think one of the magazines had like a a strategy guide. I think it might have been like Expert Gamer or something like that. And, you know, they went into details about what kind of crops you had to farm and Mm -hmm. what to do on several you know seasons, etc. And I don't know that and the combination of you have a dog with you at all times Mm -hmm. and he looks really damn cute. (laughs) I was like, I really dig this. Yeah. And I don't know what was in me at that point but Mm. i really kind of wanted something that gave you that freedom i think people take it for granted nowadays but the idea of an open world Mm -hmm. in which you had the ability to do whatever you wanted on any given day was not really common particularly in console games yeah most console games were pretty much straightforward affairs you had your action um you know and you went from one level to the other. Eventually, we kind of moved away from levels, but it was still very much linear in nature. Yeah. So whenever I would see something like a Harvest Moon where it's not an open world in the sense of what we know today to be an open world, but it is open Mm -hmm. and you have the freedom to do whatever you want Mm -hmm. um, on any given day, that really appealed to me. And I remember that I was trying to look for similar games like that. And Mm -hmm. eventually back to nature was released and i i remember that i asked my mom to take me to toys or us that's mm-hmm. that's a very vivid memory and um and it was like late at night you know we i had already come back from school everything i had done my homework so i was like hey can we go pick up a game and so she took me over there and i remember it was sixty dollars um you know if you remember toys R us they were in the box and everything and mm-hmm. um, you had to go to the counter to take it away from the box etc And uh, I remember I opened it up and the whole car ride back, I was just looking at the manual of all the things that you had to do. And I remember just being completely overwhelmed. I was like, oh (laughs) my God, like, what is this? And so, I remember when I started playing it, it really didn't click with me at all. Hmm. I I was just like, wow, like, this is a lot of work. Like, I had to clear this entire field. I had to you know, kind of put in effort into actually getting to the fun part. Mm-hmm. And uh, that put me off for a while, actually. And so, for like a month, I didn't really play the game. And okay. uh, until one day, I was like, you know what? I've, I bought this game. I'm going to, you know, try to give it a fair shot. And so, I started clearing away the rubble, and I started clearing away the weeds. And eventually, I had a fully tilled um, farm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I started being able to plant my seeds that's when you know the addiction Mm -hmm. had set in uh, because you know you have to wait a a number of days before the seeds grow but you know you, you put the seeds in you water them and the next day you see like the inklings of something that's growing and then the next day you see a little bit more and then you know it's it's that loop that's so addictive mm-hmm. that is you're always waiting for the next day. It's what they mm-hmm. call in civilization the one more turn syndrome. Yeah, um, you know that whole let's see what happens the next day. Is it gonna be raining? Um, is something bad gonna happen? Or is there a festival? Or is it someone's birthday? Can I give someone? You know, or you know, am I gonna finally you know be able to upgrade you know my relationship with this uh, bachelorette that I am doing? <laughs> and so. Once I started getting into the loop, I knew that I was in it, um, yeah. and it was interesting because when I got into that, I started talking to my cousins about it. I started talking to my friends about it, and they were all like laughing at me, mm. and I was like, "Dude, I'm I'm serious. This is this is the real deal. Like, you, I'm not kidding." And so I once took it to my cousin's house, and uh, we, you know, we were gonna spend the whole weekend there at my cousin's. And we did nothing but play Harvest Moon that weekend. Uh, Nothing, nothing but play Harvest Moon. And so, my cousin was like, hey, can I I stay with it for a little bit? (laughs) And I was like, fine. You know, one week later, I come back and this guy is like on his third (laughs) year. He's already fully upgraded his whole house, you know. And, And this was the guy that was like shitting on me for like saying I like this game. Yeah. And eventually, it turned into something where it was like being passed around amongst <laughs> us, like it was a drug. Yeah. <laughs> and you would see like this older kids. I mean, I was like what eleven, maybe at that time. And you would see like fourteen, fifteen year old kids, and they were like, and I was like, where's the game? It's like, oh, I lent it to this guy, and it's like this older guy. I'm like, what the hell is he doing playing this game? <laughs> and, and we would go to their door, and you would see the game in the background on pause, and I was like. Like seriously? And I was like very shy back then, so I was like, Give me my game back. I didn't want to say give me my game back, but it, eventually I basically never saw my game again. Oh God. so so, I know one of the questions that you're going to ask me, Arnie, is whether I finished back to nature, but yes. I, I couldn't uh. because someone took it. Oh, my <laughs>
2: God. That's like the saddest
1: that's, story. Yeah. Someone took it. And so, it wasn't until Friends of Mineral, Tom, that I actually went back into it. But, mm. you know, by then, I had gone through a whole process of addiction and finally understanding what it was like to be addicted at a tender age of 11. Yeah. Um, There's something. So, so, I'm just kidding, guys. To anyone that's facing addiction, I am just being facetious. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um i'm just i was very passionate about the game let's not say even addiction
2: (laughs) yeah i mean it, it like for me it you know i was exposed to like my the first time i remember hearing about harvest moon was harvest moon 64 back in the day i think and for me it was it it was kind of the opposite of your story ozzy where i saw it i saw people playing it and i was like this is way too much like i i can barely handle two things at once You're going to have me planting, watering, harvesting, taking care of animals, feeding people, trying to, you know, get married, like... I'm 11. I want (laughs) to, I want to write, I want to play Tony Hawks or something. Like, I'll take a, I'll take a pass on this one. Um, but as I've, as I've gotten older, like, the idea of it becomes more and more appealing. And like, in doing research for this episode and watching, like, gameplay and, you know, sort of playing around a little bit with it myself, like, I can definitely see the appeal. I can see how you would, you know, sit down and sort of fall into this loop where you're just, doing these little things every day because it's, it's satisfying, you know, it's satisfying to sort of start from nothing and then watch as it sort of becomes bigger and bigger and better and better and your tools get better and you get to, you become better at at growing stuff and you know how to set up your, you know, your animals over here and your crops over here and how you're always on top of all your chores and you realize how to spend your energy each day. Like that stuff becomes very satisfying because it gives you little victories each day. It's Mm -hmm. not, Like, for example, in an RPG where you're just working and working and working and working for the ultimate payoff of, like, beating this boss or reaching a certain level or finding a character, it's like every day you get something that you're like, I did something today. I accomplished a thing that I wanted to do and it's going to lead to this next thing and this next thing and this next thing. And so, I can't put it down until, you know, the game is (laughs) over, essentially.
1: Well, I Um, mean, it's all all the various... You know, and, and we're going to have to get into the games, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it's all the various components of it. It's not just the fact that you're farming, like farming mm. is a very general term, but the fact that, for example, you start out with chickens yeah. and you can name your chickens and every day you kind of have to give your chickens a little bit of love. And when you go into your sub menu, you're... You know, it shows you whether your chickens are doing good, whether they love you, how many mm-hmm. hearts do they have. And so, you want to develop a relationship with your animals. You can name your animals. Yep. And so, you do start feeling very, you know, intimate and, and close with, you know, the, the the various livestock that you hold. Yeah. Um, so, eventually, you end up having cows, sheep, etc. You can ride your horse.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you have to pick up your dog every day for the dog to be, you know, happy. And so, it's just all the various elements and then you know after a hard day of work you know you you have to plan your day every day you know it's like one okay what am I gonna do today do I have plants that I need to 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 uh, to uh, um, water I will water the the, the seeds etc yep. Um but then after you're done with the whole thing it's okay what am I going to do in the town today? You know, who am I going to speak with? Um, who am I going to try to develop a relationship with? And it's just, it does feel like you're living in this town. I, mm-hmm. I hate to say it because I just brought it up in one of our most recent episodes, but mm-hmm. it's almost like Shenmue in nature. Like it's <laughs> its really what I wanted. And that's why for me, I played this before Shenmue, but that's why Shenmue was so, you know, meaningful to me mm-hmm. because it, it really felt like, An evolution of this, even though you couldn't really plant any, you know, flowers or anything (laughs) in Chinmue. But it it really felt like the idea of having your own schedule and the idea Mm -hmm. of having to organize your social relationships, etc. I mean, it's something that really appealed to me back in the day. Um, And so kind of being transplanted into this world the games at least did a very good job of doing that, of just making you feel like you've just been plopped into this world and that you're part of it. Something, yeah, something I absolutely. think is so interesting
0: with these games is that I, especially as an adult, I feel like it's so hard to explain to people what is so amazing about these type of types of games. Because it's like, if I go to someone who isn't a normal gamer and they're mm. like, oh, okay, what are you playing? If they're trying to trying to be nice and make conversation. If I say something like, oh, I'm playing Skyrim where I'm killing people with swords and magic and all that sort of stuff, that's probably kind of that's probably what they're expecting. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, that's a video game. But it's like, if I say, oh, I'm playing a game where I go farming and then I uh, have a relationship <laughs> with people in the town and say hi to people and remember people's birthday. They'll be like, why? Yeah, like, isn't that what you're trying to do in real life? Like, why the hell would you play that? And I feel like it's one of those games where you can't fully understand the appeal and what's so amazing about them until you
1: at least watch or experience it for yourself. until you're in it. Yeah, it like
0: clicks in. All right,
1: let me me get deep, uh, if you guys will allow me. Sure. I think the appeal of these games, and I'm just kind of putting my own circumstances into this and my own life experiences, Mm -hmm. is that if you're someone that's shy, someone that's 11, 12 years old, you know, and you have a hard time talking to other people, Mm -hmm. and you don't have a lot of freedom because you're in middle school, Um, these games offer some sort of, you know, escape, because you're able to really develop social relationships without the fear of being judged, without Mm -hmm. the fear of that you're going to be laughed at or something like that, whatever kids think at that age. And so, at least to me, thinking back on it, you know, the idea of when I was playing this game, I was 11 or so, Mm -hmm. or 12, The idea that I could develop a relationship with another girl from town, you know, without having to go through the anxiety and nauseating fear of having to actually speak to a girl in real life... Mm -hmm. I think that that really appealed to me back then. Um, You know, and along those same lines, you have something like The Sims, et cetera, where it's just kind of living out your life, yeah. but in a way that you have control over it. That, I think, is critical. The idea that you're in a setting where you can control your life and and you're not facing the same repercussions that you're typically fearing in real life. That, I think, to me, is a huge part of the appeal of games like Harvest Moon. And I don't know if I'm on a tangent here, but that's the way I see it.
2: I think you're right. I think, you know, like you said, just having that sort of controlled environment where you know, like, you can sort of, especially in that social aspect, like you were talking about, you can approach people, you can sort of talk to them, get to know them, and not have to worry about, you know, some of these negative intricacies of social interaction that could be you know, daunting for anybody, really not just like a young person, but just in general. And so I think a game like Harvest Moon, where you can, like you said, sort of organize your days and sort of create a space for yourself where you know what you're doing. You're you sort of as you play, you get better at the game and you figure out, you know, I need to do this this way and this that way. And I know who I want to talk to and I know who I'm interested in and things like that. I think it's very appealing for, you know, People to do that. And as we get into the original SNES game, um, which was released in 1996, I think it's important to point out to people, um, like we do with a lot of things when we're looking back this far, is that this was not, at least to my knowledge, this was not a a tried and true concept. This was very new, you know. People no, absolutely not didn't like this wasn't a type of game that people had any experience with. Now, you know, obviously not only within the Harvest Moon series and obviously successors like Stardew Valley and stuff, but I think other games take some of these mechanics here and there and put them into their games as well. But back when this released, the idea of a farming game, let alone a farming RPG as it were, was it was very strange. Like, I mean, you know, you think of it now and like James was saying, this isn't what I think regular people would think of when they think of video games, right? Especially not in 1996. Um, but it was, it was a game that sort of let you develop your own sense in that, in that way that you were developing, it's your farm. You're going to build it how you want. And you're going to interact with these villagers, you know, in the very limited capacity you could in the original game and, As it developed further on, um, but, you know, just to hit the highlights on the, on the original, um, what we're seeing here is, you know, the very beginnings of what would become Harvest Moon, like you'll see certain things in here that you'll see in other games in the series, obviously much more developed. Um, I think the biggest thing, at least for me and Ozzy, I'd like to get your opinion on this and James as well, since you guys have played um, the games. I think the biggest thing that I found that was sort of developed later on is the fact that. You still in the original. You still do all these tasks, but there doesn't seem to be like an energy meter or something that sort of limits mm. what you can do and when you can do it. And so there's not that that big sense of like I have a limited amount of actions that I can take every single day. So I yeah. need to make sure that I do the most important things that I need to do every day.
1: Yeah, I, I played the original one mm. after actually playing Back to Nature. Okay, and uh, I played it on an emulator. And uh, it, it has all the elements there that would eventually become the game mm. uh, that we know and love. But it still, in my mind, was not as fully developed. It was much more of an RPG at that point. Okay. It was It was much more structured than what the games ended up becoming later on. Mm. And so for whatever reason, you know, I just didn't find the same sense of excitement and control. Um, that I liked in the games because I was so used to the later ones and so um, I think it's a very very good start I think it's a it's a good game it looks completely different from the other Mm -hmm. ones I mean in terms of it's sprite based graphics yeah but um, but it is you know I would say the most dated one I'm, I'm not talking about you know whether it's the better one yeah, I mean, yeah, there yeah. are a ton of other games that could potentially be you know worse but but it, it's not it's a game that reflects this age and I think at the time you know Victor was probably wondering how can we sell this mm-hmm. um, you know how can we best develop this while still being an RPG yeah um, and I think you kind of find that compromise in the first one where not a lot of the things that we would eventually come to know are there yeah mm-hmm.
2: Um, I will say that one of the things that has always stood out to me about Harvest Moon is that I've always really enjoyed their art style. Mm. Um, and their graphic style, the way they present things in the early I, games. Yeah, yes, yeah. I thought has has always been very appealing. Like it just looks nice, right? It looks inviting in a sense. It makes me want to sort of sit down and be this farmer and, you know, get to you know raise all my animals and do all my crops and stuff like that it re- um it
0: really hmm? goes along with the theme of being like this happy thing that's uh, encouraging and inviting like you're saying like the the friends of yeah. Mi- friends of Miner- mineral town if i can say it um yeah it's like <laughs> this very very cute uh, art style and um yeah. it just makes you want to play it just looking at the game and like when you pick up your little dog and like toss it on the ground it somehow loves you it's great it's like <laughs> <laughs> what is better than this?
1: Yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about the art style for a moment. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it is a very kind of cutesy anime, almost shivy mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, in the early games, I thought it was, it was very nice. It was very pretty. It mm-hmm. kind of developed into something really weird and strange um, <laughs> that I didn't quite like because it moved away from its kind of, like anime yeah. roots yeah. in a way. Um, but I think the art style is actually one of the big issues with people, you know, and in getting into the mm. game. Yeah, um, I think people see the art style and they say, this is either A, a game for kids, mm-hmm. or B, a game for girls, however unfair that may be yeah. as an assessment. Um, and I think in a sense, I, I do always get the sense that Harvest Moon is a game that's been identified with a female demographic and so, mm-hmm. you know, boys... Per se, you know, they see this game as something that they shouldn't be Mm. playing. You know, you should be slaying monsters or something, as James (laughs) said. Um, And I think the art style doesn't do it any favors. I wouldn't want to change it. And I wish that they would go back to the original art style. Yeah. Um, But I think that that was probably one of the big reasons why people just had a hard time. And over time, it got more cutesy without getting more, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that was kind of what did it in, like something mm-hmm. like Tree of Tranquility or Animal Parade or something like that. I mean, it's not that the art style is bad. It's just that it looks generic. Um, and yeah. But it still looks cute, like something that a boy, quote-unquote, wouldn't play. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a good point to make that the art style in this game probably has a lot to do with whether people give it a shot or not.
0: So, I have a question. I don't know if this is bringing up too big of a topic, but you said mm-hmm. it's kind of um, geared towards girls in some sense and i i, I get you there because it's definitely a very cute looking game and it's like no this is a girl game farming and making relationships and all this sort of stuff but something that struck me is interesting looking through the history of the game they they've had yes, a very i know exactly yeah, what you're about they've to had say. a very <laughs> weird history with like with um the sex you're allowed to choose uh the gender you're allowed to choose that sounds better um like in the <laughs> yeah, game so yeah. so for example there's friends of mineral town where you can only be a yep. boy and then they release yep. more friends of mineral town where you can play the girl and then there's um let's see there's d uh, harvest moon ds and then there's harvest moon yep. ds cute which is the one where you can yep. play a girl yep. and there's this is multiple times that it happens this way. Even
2: even coming back to Back to Nature, yeah. there is a Japan-only version that's called, like, Back to Nature, uh, Harvest Moon Girl. Harvest Moon for Girl, I think, is what it was called. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I, I think uh, that's probably, uh, you know, it, it plays a big part, you know, the fact that I think, you know, at the time, more boys played games yeah. than, than girls did, I think. And so... That's why they probably started out with yeah. the the male version, mm-hmm. but I also think part of that is the distinction between Natsume and Victor. Um, mm-hmm. Then eventually Marvelous over there in mm-hmm. Japan, and how they handled it. Natsume, it seemed like they just kind of focused on the boy version. They yeah. were not going to go through the trouble of translating two versions. Yep. Yeah, but in Japan, you know, the first time that we saw. You know, them trying to do something where you could pick a boy or a girl was, I think, uh, in the Game Boy Color games. Yeah, um, it was either the second or the third one. Um, I think it was the third one. Actually, the third one actually came in two separate cartridges, one for boy and one for girl. <laughs> okay. So you could buy either or, kind of like Pokemon. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think in Japan they've been a lot more cognizant of trying to make it appeal to both sides, whereas here in the US, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of, I think, a matter of being pragmatic, that they're just like, well, we don't really have the capability to port two games, and so we're just going to yeah. go with the one that may appeal to mm-hmm. the broadest demographic, because a girl will still play a game... You know, in which they're a boy because there are just not that many games that are geared towards them. Mm -hmm. Um, But a boy may have a a much harder time playing a game that's for, that's with a girl. Yeah. So again, I'm making generalities here, but I'm kind of putting myself in the mentality of a 12 year old boy. Yeah. Uh, Also in the mentality
2: of, you know, when these games are coming out, like,
1: yeah exactly exactly and so i i do think that i and i think i've read it in the and points is that you know these are games that are very very popular mm. you know with women um there, there's something about this game that speaks to women um and you know without generalizing i i think it's it's the lack of violence i think it's a lack of um you know kind of conflict um mm. i think that really you know makes it a much more peaceful experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wish that, you know, from the beginning, they had been more egalitarian in a way with mm-hmm. letting your shoes support mm-hmm. a girl. But at the same time, I mean, it's already a hard enough concept as it is to implement. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to sell the publisher on like, okay, well, we're also going to implement a girl here. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm not going to give them too much grief for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, despite, you know, whatever shortcomings the, the original release and some of the subsequent releases may have had, I think what the original release did that was extremely important was that it showed that this gameplay loop was fun yeah. and it was addictive you yeah. know when on the surface of it like you were saying james if you just told somebody what this game was like they'd probably be like uh okay don't really yeah. get it but when you sit and you play it and you do it that's when you realize like oh this is this is fun yeah. like i want to keep doing this um and i think because of that the original harvest moon apparently um i don't have any exact numbers but you know, just from anecdotal evidence of people talking about it, it seems that it sold a good amount of units, mm-hmm. especially for, you know, a new concept from, you know, uh, a developer that I don't think up to this point had a lot of, uh, or at least not the developer, a publisher that I don't know if they had, if they were very well known outside of Japan. I don't know what Natsume's publishing history was prior to Harvest Moon, but it was also reviewed fairly well, um, which set the stage for, the rest of the games that we're going to be talking about. Um, so, uh, moving on from that, I think the next uh, entry that we want to talk about is Harvest Moon 64. There was a Game Boy re-release of the original Harvest Moon, um, but it's just the original Harvest Moon on Game Boy. So, uh, the N64 entry is really the next big entry that we mm-hmm. see. Um, again, developed by Victor. Um, and they started, uh, you know sort of playing around and expanding stuff from there obviously this is harvest moon's first foray into the third dimension um i should say that more dramatically like, third dimension and then even though they do have an isometric camera uh which is i don't know it's kind of weird watching people play harvest moon 64 like it works yes. but i don't know the camera feels a little weird
1: to me the way it's it's oh, that's up. if you have, if if you don't have the background with it, then yeah. it may look weird. But it, it didn't to me at the time, and mm-hmm. because I played it at the time, it doesn't to me either. I mean, and uh, I I think uh, as I was speaking with you off, offline, mm-hmm. I think that Harvest Moon 64 and Back to Nature kind of go hand in hand, because yeah. um, they were basically variations of the same concept um you know you have to save your farm you're going back to your farm and you have to save it and you know they back to nature added a number of things but basically it was almost like a port of 64 but Mm -hmm. with a different look a little bit and uh just more things added to it yeah um so it's it's not unfair to speak of these games in tandem yeah Yeah. i
0: mean i think it it had a lot of the same character models if i'm uh, if I'm correct yeah. with that, if
2: I if I'm not mistaken, based on what I know, the characters in Back to Nature are the characters from 64. They just have like different backstories and somewhat different personalities. Yeah, that was that was uh, super yeah.
0: interesting to me because it's like I I didn't play uh, 64, but I imagine if I had mm. and then went to play Back to Nature, it's like <laughs> wait, you go into the store or you talk with this person who you're used to having this certain personality and they're they're totally different yep. or they have a different story it's like what <laughs> but they look the same what is going on
2: yeah if i had to take a guess obviously speaking straight out of my ass um i'd have to assume that part of it was maybe that because they had a li- they had more space to work with on the PlayStation as opposed to the n 64 cartridges, maybe they felt like they could tweak things a little bit and add new things and try to make it a newish experience yeah. instead of just being a straight port of 64 onto the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can buy
1: that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I would I would see that. Um I know that the 64. The limitations of the cartridge format were really pronounced, yeah. and uh, it's a game that, if I recall from reviews back in the day, kind of really shugged a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes. So, it was a little bit muddy, which, again, saying Nintendo 64 muddy in the same <laughs> sentence is a redundancy.
2: Yeah, um, it was, again, it was one of those games where, like you said, Ozzy, the criticisms, at least that I found, were mostly, like, the soundtrack seemed to be a little repetitive, um, and there were some visual issues, like there were a little bit of glitchy visuals mm-hmm. sometimes, and things like that, but the gameplay kind of really just makes up for it like people really like harvest moon 64 and back to nature just have like a lot of love from well it fans all depends on how moon you came series. into it i mean yeah. you either
1: had a 64 back in the day or you had a, a, a ps1 yep and so if you had a 64 then you played it that way or if and if you had a ps1 you had to play it the other way and so yep. this was the entry point for most people that's you know right. i feel like at the time that the original came out in 96 that super nintendo was already on its way out mm-hmm. and that's a big part of the reason why that cartridge goes for so much money nowadays because there just was a limited amount of cartridges that were sold. Um, But with back to nature in 64, they were still, you know, they were released when those systems were still in, you know, a pretty good peak. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if the 64 ever had a peak, but, um, <laughs> <Aww>. I'm <laughs> I'm much hate. <laughs> um no, but it's, it's really, it all depends on, you know, it's kind of like they say, you know, whichever, you know, doctor who you see first, that's going to yeah. be your doctor. Yeah. Like that's exactly how it is. Whichever harvest moon you played first, that's going to be your harvest moon. And yeah. for a lot of people that was 64 and back to nature.
2: Yeah. What's your favorite Pokemon game? The first one I played. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And it really is, you know, comes down to that. I will say a lot of, I I give credit to 64 for a lot of these things just because it came out first, but whatever. I mean, 64 was the first one to have the limited amount of time for work in a given day. um, And it had the stamina bar that becomes standard, I think, for Harvest Moon games going forward, where basically every action you take in the game cost you stamina and then when you're out in the field and when you're basically when you're not in a building in town time is yeah. passing and so yeah. you have to sort of deal with those two things in tandem um, It's
1: it's interesting that you mentioned the soundtrack though because mm. I don't I don't know about you James but Harvest Moon are not games that I necessarily associate with a soundtrack mm. yeah. I I have the the menu music for Back to Nature stuck in my head <laughs> yeah. forever like I will always <laughs> You know, I will never forget that many music, but for the most part, when you play a Harvest Moon game, you're not listening to music. No. You know, you're basically listening when I'm trying to think of the, the sounds that I'm harkening back now to mm. when I used to play it. It's just the steps, mm. you know, the steps of you kind of walking and <laughs> kind of, you know, telling the earth and doing things, but never music. It's itself. more the sound can, effects. Yeah.
2: Instead of the actual sound effects. Yeah. yeah
1: The sound effects was big. It's what I remember I think the for most. me, yeah. I,
0: I do remember songs, but it's like four songs because you have... I think there's a different one for each season, if I'm remembering right, at least mm-hmm. for Friends of Mineral Town. And those are like constantly just playing in the background. And I think in some ways they just yeah. start to blend into the background because it's like constantly yeah, yeah. on repeat. So maybe that's kind of like why why all those other things stand out to you, like the steps and the, the tilling with the hoe and all that sort of stuff.
1: No, but in Back to Nature and Back to Nature, I think that you don't. Oh, have really? That, okay. I, I mean, because I did play Friends of Mineral Town, and that mm. one does have music playing in the background. But Back yeah, to Nature, okay, does. so that's that's oh. new to me. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, God, I, I will need to play it again. But yeah, I think that's how. <laughs> don't do it. What it is. <laughs> don't do it. You've come <laughs> or so far. for example, like I, I always remember when you woke up and it was a rainy yeah. day. Mm. You know, th- those were days that I just I was like, okay, well, today I have to figure out what to do, and there will be no music, just the rain. Um, but hey, maybe I'm just speaking out of you know my ass. I maybe there is <laughs> music, and I, just I bet don't you're remember right. It. That's
0: that's super interesting, though, that they they kind of changed that later on because even though it does kind of blend in, it's like you get these tunes stuck in your head, and it like the the moment I hear that song, it like brings me right back to playing that game. So that's yeah. that's interesting yeah. that it wasn't uh, at least as far as you remember it wasn't an addition or it wasn't something they had in that game.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, sixty four also I think as as we just discussed uh, features four seasons and I, I I thought this was cool because I. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember seeing this on games at that time, but the four seasons aren't just for show. Like each season features its own specific weather patterns mm-hmm. and it affects which crops you can grow during e- any given season. And well, I there thought, are
1: some crops that just don't grow in certain exactly, seasons. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Which
2: I thought was a, was a nice little touch. Huh. Like I, you know, it's sort of those little things with Harvest Moon, um, those little details that really like put you in that world. Like what Ozzy was saying, like make you feel like you're a part of that sort of environment and that farm and that town um, and so that was one of the ones that I
1: thought was really cool um, well, it really forced you to plan ahead yeah. For example I mean when you had winter coming up mm-hmm. you know first of all you have 30 days the the seasons last 30 days okay and so you have to basically harvest everything before the seasons through because otherwise your crops are gonna mm-hmm. go bad yeah um, and so you're forced to plan ahead but also you need to plan ahead for the winter Uh, because, you know, I mean, and even before into the winter, like, you can't buy a bunch of seeds Mm -hmm. on the 28th Mm -hmm. that are only gonna grow in the summer. Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot of management in terms of what you get and what you don't get. And with respect to winter, you can't really harvest in winter. You can't, you can't grow anything in winter. And so, it forces you to find other ways to try to make your money, and so that's usually where you go into the mm-hmm. mine. And for those of you that haven't played it, you know <laughs> there's a mine you know beside your farm that mm-hmm. you go into, and just you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yep. Um. You know, trying to find ores, etc., and then selling them. Yep. Um. And so you have to find other things and. At least with the mind, I remember when it was winter, I would see, okay, how long can I go? How low can I go? (laughs) Mm. Because you're using stamina all the while. And it it wasn't just one time when I woke up in the hospital because I had just (laughs) exhausted myself to death (laughs) and I had taken, you know, one sweep too much. Um, And so... I don't know. I mean, you had to plan ahead. You had to get, you know, make some food or you had to buy some food um, and then go into the mines and then watch, you know, your time, etc. I mean, whenever you're inside, time doesn't mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Um, and so it only runs when you're outside. But... Still, what good is time if you don't have any stamina? Yeah. If you don't have any stamina, that's, that's it. It's, you, your, your day might as well be done. The only thing you can do is just go about your you know the town and speak to others. Um, and so I, it really gave a different feel to every single so season. Something I'm curious
0: about, Ozzy, in terms of Back to Nature, um, with the stamina, I know, at least from what I remember playing recently from Friends of Mineral Town, um, there wasn't an actual stamina bar like visual but there was a still a stamina bar kind of in the background where like yeah yeah like every so many hits your character like sits on the ground and it's like yawning or something (laughs) and then slowly your face turns (laughs) blue is that a similar sort
2: of thing that's adorable yeah yeah that's exactly that's exactly how it is yeah yeah
1: yeah that's uh i don't remember any any one of the games having a specific bar um no no it's it's just there are you know visual indicators that you're exhausting mm. yourself yeah. usually it's you know the guy just like wipes the sweat off his uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. forehead yep. et cetera. yeah you know, some so. of the
2: games did have a bar okay. but i but i know i know for a fact that i think back to nature specifically might have been the first one to do it where it was like you said there's no bar but you can visually yeah. see like your character becoming tired so it shows you how to identify like when you're going too yep. much um, one thing I did, I did enjoy about back to nature that I, cause I had never played it. So, but I like this, this story aspect where it also sets aside from all these other little time limits. There's the overarching time hmm. limit in that you've inherited your grandfather's farm. Uh, but the citizens of the town don't trust you. So they're like, if you can restore this farm in three years, you can keep it. Otherwise you have to leave. <laughs> um, which I find hilarious. Cause first of all, it, it's my farm. Um, you can't tell me to do that. Um, <laughs> But the other thing is I like that it sort of incentivizes the player because if you do restore it, if you get it up to the level you need to in three years, then you can keep playing forever. Mm. But if you don't, then they just game over you after three years. And I can't imagine being that kid who put those three years in and for some reason just wasn't able to get himself organized enough to do it and then be like – and then you had to leave and now you have to start all over
1: again. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's not something that I even thought about when I was playing yeah. the game. Like, it's, it's kind of something that they tell you, the mayor tells you mm-hmm. right at the beginning. But it just kind of went over my head. And the locals are so friendly that you don't even realize it. So, when you, when you see it um, in a description or something like that, yeah. it looks looks bad or it looks silly but it doesn't ever (laughs) feel that way um at least i I didn't even realize that you would get kicked out because the farmers because the the townsfolk didn't like you yeah you know until i read this outline to be quite frank and then i actually i i actually took out uh, the game and i went into the booklet and i read you know the the background i was like oh they're right yeah they they will kick you out um so so i i confirmed that yeah that's it really does happen that they will kick you out of the mayor like also you. looks um, like a
0: complete dork with his hat so it's like are you really paying attention to what he says when
2: he's talking to you i i will say I, this is a question i wanted to ask both of you really quickly um what what is it because you've both played the game so james i want to ask you first what is what is the aspect of that sort of loop that gameplay loop in harvest moon that you like the most or that you find yourself coming back to like is it the is it the crops is it the animals like is it the mine like what is what do you find most engaging about it interesting question I think for me
0: it's like what draws me in right off the bat is the farm Mm -hmm. and farming elements because it's easy to see um, kind of the benefits that you're reaping it's like the moment you take in those turnips the first time and get money the next day it's like okay yeah this is awesome my farm's looking better and then i think the social aspect is kind of what keeps me around because the farming Mm -hmm. at a certain point it starts to either get really easy and you're getting just a ton of money from it and money's less of an issue um, or whatever it is or maybe you get bored of that whole mechanic but the social aspect is cool because you're growing your relationships with all these people in the town and um I you you feel connected with the people in the town in a certain way and it, it's so weird to say for mm-hmm. a game like this that looks so cutesy and it's like oh you, how do you feel connection with Ellie or Ann or whatever it is but it's like <laughs> as you get to know them and have these small little cutscenes, learning about their lives that's the part that has kind of kept me in in the loop after kind of the, yeah. the main loop of farming and stuff
1: okay
2: what about you Ozzy
1: I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've already said it. I mean, I, I think the, the idea of just going the next day and seeing what the next day okay. brings me, you know, what can I grow? Will my corn finally yield fruit? Um, and, you know, will I make a ton of money or... Will I be able to, um, you know, cut enough uh, wood in order to expand my kitchen or something mm. like that? Um, I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, me and my cousins—what we wanted the most was just to expand uh, the house, and uh, we were all trying to kind of go for it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, eventually down the line you can even build a greenhouse, etc. And yeah. so it's the idea of it's almost like the American dream. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> you can build it yourself and you can make something out of your farm. yeah Um, you know, and beyond that it's just kind of like the developing the relationships of finally hoping to see whether you're going to be able to woo one of the eligible bachelorettes, <laughs> etc. you know, is it going to be potpourri Is it going to be Karen? <laughs> is it going to be Ellie? Um, it's it's Wait, wh- uh uh, it's an interesting... What did, you, what did
0: you call my wife? Potpourri? <laughs> I call her Papourri. Maybe I'm... Maybe P-pourri.
2: P-pourri. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. I call it Potpourri. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so I think before we take our next break, which we'll be taking right now, I, I did want to highlight one thing because... We've, we've talked about 64 and Back to Nature sort of in tandem, and I think Ozzy's right. I think they do kind of go hand in hand. Um, but one thing I found really interesting was this quote from GameSpot's, uh, Gerald Vioria, um, who basically said of Back to Nature, and I quote, surprisingly, one of the most satisfying role playing experiences to be found on the PlayStation. That quote kind of stuck with me because when you think of, especially in the year 2000, like the RPG experiences that were available on the playstation that's not a small compliment you know that that i think that says a lot about that sort of that sort of really satisfying game play mechanic that harvest moons developed and how it can really become something that you you know sort of become engrossed in and you sort of feel like you're part of that world for a little bit um that i think that, that says a lot about what it is and what those developers were able to accomplish
1: I think you know with Harvest Moon is if it clicks for you, mm-hmm. you get it. Like yeah. you really know what makes it such a great you know experience. There are people that will not give it a chance, or there are people that just do not have the patience or the mentality to really get into it. Yeah. But I think it stands on its own with other experiences on the system, and and it's funny because I think that um, the Harvest Moon games came on a time where. You know, in the PS1, there were a few games that were trying to do something like this, like Mm -hmm. Aquanauts Holiday, um, or there's another one where, like, you spend the summer in the countryside. I forgot the name of it right now. Okay. But kind of like these slice of life games that just played a lot slower. And I think that you really started seeing that. With the PlayStation 1, um, and I think it was probably its peak, you know, there were some in the PS2 era as well, particularly with the Animal Crossing games on the GameCube, etc. Yeah. But, um, but I do think that there was a, a desire for people to play a game that did not involve mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah. And, uh, and this was a good alternative to that. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Um, And with that, I think we're going to take another quick break and we'll come back with uh, Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town. That sound good? Sounds good. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So, first things first. Uh, I do want to say we've been we've been really focusing on the console ports of, or I mean, the console Harvest Moon games. There's also I kind of in tandem with the console releases, Harvest Moon has always had like a strong lineup of portable games. And weirdly enough, I, I want to get your guys' opinion on this real quick. I've always felt like Harvest Moon games feel better portable Mm -hmm. like it's the kind of game that i kind of want to have on the go as opposed to sitting in my house and and playing them if that makes any sense
1: well, I I think that Friends of Mineral Tom proved it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that game was back to nature, but in portable format. Mm-hmm. Um, and it played quicker since it didn't have the loading times, etc. It was just a much snappier game. Yeah. Um, I think there are games that lend themselves very well to a pickup and play where you just do one day and then you're good.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so that's why I think the Game Boy Color games... I mean, the first one was just on, on regular Game Boy. Yep. And that one came out in 98. Yep. And then, you know, Harvest Moon 2 on Game Boy Color in 2000 and harvest moon 3 and game boy color in 2001 i always wanted to play these games originally because when i was playing back to nature the game boy advance was not really a thing it would it was a year before it would be released yeah and so you had the game boy color and people were playing pokemon and i was like look i'd rather play harvest moon (laughs) than pokemon um even though i was playing pokemon blue at the time yeah but, um, yeah, I think they're games that lend themselves very well to the portable format. And these games in particular, the game where color games, mm-hmm. you know, without getting into too much of them, because there's really not a lot to say, um, they all have their own feel. The first game is kind of a, just a straight port of, of the, the Super Nintendo one. But the second and the third one just kind of have, you know, a different, I don't know, I, I don't have to, I don't know how else to say it. Just they a have a Genesee Yeah, like the third one, for example, I mean, it takes place on an island, and Mm -hmm. so you have to wait for, like, the ferry schedule in order to go to town and stuff, Mm. which makes it feel completely different, and uh, you can snowboard, for example, Um, and they have a different story from the other ones. I Mm. mean, with the third one, it's kind of like you're hoping, you know, another, you know, girl that just inherited a farm, you know, or just bought a farm to, you know, develop the farm, et cetera, or something Ah, like that. I see. Okay. So, um i don't know it, it, it's just nice that they put a lot of effort into the game boy color games and uh i would recommend i mean if you want to play a portable one i would say friends of mineral town is probably mm-hmm. the way to go yeah but you're also not being unreasonable if you played you know harvest Moon three on game boy color what are your thoughts on on the on the game boy games uh games that you ever play uh, those? no
0: just the no just the game boy advance not the not the normal game boy games no um, but yeah, I looked yeah, at them. Okay. I I do agree. They do look quite a bit different from Friends of Mineral Town and Back to Nature and all that sort of stuff. So that's it's interesting yeah. hearing it, hearing about them from you since you've played some of those.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I played the the first one was probably the one okay. I played the most. Yeah. Um, but the second and third one, I just kind of popped them in yeah. to see because at the at the time I already had Friends of Mineral Town, so yeah. it was like. Okay. I'm not going to take yep. a step back, you know, <laughs> no. into a game because, for example, the second one or the first one don't have any of the social aspects. Yep. So you can't really marry anyone or anything. Yeah. And it's like, that's the reason yeah. why I play this game. <laughs> yeah. So why would I yeah. go back to those? I mean, I think also uh, for
2: me, the, the adorable art style comes through much better on, the, <laughs> on the tiny game with sprites than it did in, in 3D. Um, so I think I also appreciate that. Aspect of it as well. But yeah, like I said, you know, and and let's just get to it because this is the this is the one, you know, Friends of Mineral Town. Um, I, you know, here's the thing. I've I've when I've heard people talk about Harvest Moon, this is usually the game that ultimately they're like, this is the best one. I don't know how true that is, um, but based on just what I've heard, um, and, and in my research as well, it just sounds like this is the one that people really took to that really grabbed people. I think because it seems to have taken the elements of all the previous games and just sort of refined them and made them like the best iteration of what they've Mm -hmm. ever been.
1: Um, so Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that that's uh, incorrect. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's it's a game that really benefited from... It was a more simplified art style from um, the Back to Nature games. Yeah. The Back to Nature games, one of the issues that you have with the isometric camera, and both that and 64, mm-hmm. is that sometimes it was hard to position your mm-hmm. character. Yeah, And sometimes uh, the crops, you would plant them in a the wrong way because you just mm-hmm. had difficulties with the with the way that the angle was set in yeah. the isometric sense. And so Friends of Mineral Town, what it did was, it was kind of like the Super Nintendo, where it was just an overhead, a straight mm-hmm. overhead yeah. camera. And that made it easier to plant your crops, to water your crops, and to move around. And so yeah. it made for a smoother playing experience than Back to Nature. I will always have a soft spot for Back to Nature, and yeah. that would be my, my preferred game. But Friends of Mineral Town, I think it really streamlined a lot of the things that were wrong with 64 and back to nature yeah
2: and i think here's here's something that i've heard and i agree with it i played back to nature very briefly um, but one of the things that i really liked about it, it's like a little quality of life thing but i think it does a lot is we haven't really talked about this but when you play these Harvest Moon games, generally you start off with five tools. The axe, the hammer, the watering can, the sickle, and the hoe. Um, and you use them to do all the different stuff around your farm. Now, for example, in the Super Nintendo version of the game, like the first one, the way you would change between these tools is you'd have a shed and you'd have to go into your shed and you'd pick one tool and then you'd go out and you use it and then you'd have to run back into your shed and change your tool. You'd have to do that every single time. And yeah, in, I remember
1: thinking that this was the reason why I just didn't get into it. <laughs> I,
2: I, could, I could definitely see that. And then in the 64 version, I remember they improved it by you being able to have all of your tools on you at once. But every time you wanted to change a tool, you had to pause the game and then pick a tool and then select it and then unpause the game. In Friends of Mineral Town, they make it so you can just switch tools mm-hmm. on the fly. And it makes it... Because it's because the farming and the tools are something that you use all the time, that little change makes a world of difference, I think, because it sort of cuts down on a lot of the chaff of you having to sort of go through all these steps. It's just like, I'm using this tool. Now I switch real quick, water my plants. Now I'm using the hoe to till the soil. Now I'm planting seeds. And it just makes it like a much more engaging experience when you don't have to constantly stop, switch around things now I'm doing this one thing yeah. now I'm doing this other so that's what I'm talking about when I say like it refined those sort of gameplay mechanics and made it a much more engaging experience for the player
1: so James how do you first uh how, how do you first uh you know experience this game how how do you come about how did I
0: come back dude that's a great
3: question
0: <laughs> you're asking me these <laughs> questions about like back in the day I don't I honestly don't know how I came upon it I Heard that it was good, and I think I just picked it up, and it was mm-hmm. just one of those things that I figured I would try out. And
1: yeah, just uh, just to kind of get a sense, how did, how to, how old were you around the time?
0: Oh man, you
1: <laughs> you're putting me on no, the spot. You don't have to say uh,
0: right. I yeah. I kind of think I was older when I played this, like maybe high school.
1: Okay. So this came out in 2003. I think I was
0: so. I don't think I played it when it came out because in, in 2003 I was. Uh, I was nine. 2003, I was nine.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're, I am you're younger. younger. Um, <laughs> he's younger than me, which is which makes me very exactly. happy. Um, okay. I, but I think I played it
0: in junior high or high school originally. And then okay. I came back to it again recently a few months ago. Um, but yeah, the first time I played it, I think, was junior high or high school. I, I have such a foggy mm-hmm. memory about gaming during that time, though.
1: <laughs> no worries. I mean, I, I know that... There are some stages in your life in which everything just seems to be yeah. in a haze so mm-hmm. i i don't fault you for that yeah um let um, me just mention my experience mm-hmm. i mean i i actually like i said i had stopped playing back to nature and uh but i always had a, a, a very big obsession with harvest moon and so when the ps2 game came out mm-hmm. um uh which a was save the life. homeland save save no oh. no that saved the homeland Okay. Uh, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed mm. by that game, and so I said, "Okay, well, maybe Harvest Moon is just not for me anymore." But then the Game Boy Advance came out, and I had the the original Game Boy Advance, the one that wasn't backlit, mm-hmm. um, which made it a mission to play games because it was very, very difficult. Oh, I'm sorry, did you uh, not buy see the, the, the worm Light? The required. No, <laughs> uh, I didn't accessory. buy the wormlight. I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> that flush with cash, um, and so I remember I bought the game. And I, I played it, and I remember being so obsessed with it that I took it with me mm-hmm. everywhere. And we—it was December of two thousand three, and we were gonna go on a trip to California to visit some family. Mm-hmm. And I remember I told my mom, "Mom, I can't find my Game Boy," and she's like, "What's wrong with that?" It's like I I can't leave without my Game Boy. And I remember my mother went all the way to Toys R Us. God, I'm think you know, I, I, I associate Harvest Moon with Toys R Us all the time. That's the thing, because I bought all my Harvest Moon related things there. And she literally went and she bought me a brand new Game Boy Advance, a black one, Ooh. Um, just so that wow. I could play Harvest Moon. And let me tell you, I took that Harvest Moon to California and I think... I played more Harvest Moon than I was out or doing anything. I mean, I I (laughs) had a lot of fun. That was the first time I snowboarded for the first time in my life. But I was still just like you know spending until i was also jet lagged yeah and so i would spend until like the early you know morning hours just playing harvest moon and i had <laughs> i had to have the light on because otherwise i couldn't see yeah um but i just remember having so much experiences with it so i i call it my relapse that's what <laughs> of mineral town was where i was just back into my old habits
3: yeah
1: um and i eventually had to let it go because i was realizing that it was just taking mm. over my life <laughs> and uh i was about to, you know, I was just entering high school. It was like my, you know, I was entering ninth grade. Gotcha. Um, and so, I just had to focus on school. I was yeah. like, all right, I want to I put this down because otherwise it's just going to take my <laughs> life away.
2: Hmm. I personally had a clear purple Game Boy Advance, which I always thought was the coolest one. That's the uh, one I
1: had before. That's I know, the one that's, that's I, I couldn't find. And then I found it, by the way, and so I had two, <laughs> two nice. Game Boy Advances. Yes. I, I think the that's most confusing win-win. thing
0: about your story was that you said you snowboarded in
1: in California. You must have been up at Shasta or something. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I actually went to I know. I actually went to Big Bear okay. uh you know Big Bear Lake, which is one of their uh their, you know, big peaks. Yeah. Um, you know, kinda of along like the Lake Tahoe area or whatever, you know. <laughs> so but, you were playing uh, yeah,
2: Harvest I, Moon in like this gorgeous Expansive of I nature it. oh I, yeah absolutely I can I definitely absolutely. see how those two things <laughs> would come together
1: well that's that's why to me you know the, the particular games I have very particular feels about them. yeah and back to nature I'm very much I associate it with being in the city but being in the countryside mm. at the mm-hmm. same time. Whereas Friends of Mineral Town for me, what I associate with it was the first time I ever saw snow. Interesting. Because yeah. that was the first time I ever did see snow. And so I was literally in the middle, like of nowhere, you know, in this mountain resort, mm-hmm. in a log cabin, playing Harvest Moon with hot chocolate. Mm. Like you can't get better than That's that. Awesome. Come on, man. Yeah. Um and so I have very good memories of this game. Yeah. I
0: think one um, I was going to say one thing I really like about this game that um, I in my mind, uh, you might be comparing it to like Back to Nature or something like that. In my mind, since I came back to this after Stardew Valley, um, I'm always mm-hmm. comparing it to Stardew Valley and something I found super interesting with this game as opposed to that game was the whole rival system. I don't know how you guys kind of yes. felt about that, but that was something <laughs> that I came back to it as like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's like an additional... Um, element to the relationship system where it's not just me leveling up my hearts with these people but it's like I, I have someone who's my rival in this relationship I don't know how you guys felt yeah. about that
1: yeah I didn't even realize that to be honest it, I mean I knew that <laughs> some of them were going like they were interested in let's say Ellie or yeah. something like that Um, the doctor for example is interested in Ellie but I just thought like Oh, okay. Yeah, he's cool. He he sent to her. Oh, that's, I, that's pretty cool. I wasn't uh, thinking like he's my rival and I have to beat him <laughs> to death. <laughs> you just
2: you just <laughs> just him to death with your hoe one day. That would change the tone. What you reason.
3: call him? <laughs> you?
1: Okay, was, keep going.
2: <laughs> no, what I was
1: gonna say is I was um, cool with the doctor until he told me he liked that. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then
2: and then it was then it was on like Donkey Kong. That's right. Um one of the things that I found super interesting about that is just the fact that honestly, it really seems like the developers are harvest moon whenever they want to innovate on something. They're like, let's take this one thing that people like, and let's just add some sort of like time restriction to it. Cause I think if you don't, Marry somebody within a certain amount of time. They marry one of the rivals, don't they? I think that's how it works. Because you have an option. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you have an option to not choose to marry anyone even. Um, So then everybody will be happy and you'll just be tilling the fields
1: by yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's... You will be an eligible bachelor for the rest (laughs) of your life. Correct. Is this... Yeah, I, yeah, so I have a
0: question. I never tried this. Is
1: this one of those
0: games where you can like level up the hearts with everyone everyone and start dating all of them? Basically all the eligible bachelorettes? I oh, never tried no, that.
1: No, no, no. Um no, no, no. You uh you can upgrade, <laughs> you know, you you kind of have to play the field yeah, a yeah, lot, yeah, man. Of I mean, you you kind of have to see who is working out best you. for you. Yeah. yeah. So let, let, let me let me get into one of the aspects that we haven't talked before is that the games come, you know, in the booklet with a calendar that tells you all the birthdays. And oh, so, nice. in order to develop relationships, you have to kind of check, okay, whose birthday is it today? And so, you know, sometimes you may forget, like, oh, snap, like, today I was so busy that I forgot to get a birthday. Or you may not yeah. have bought anything, and the stores may be closed so that you mm-hmm. can't really get a, you know, a gift for anyone. Mm-hmm. Or the gift that you can get is something that they absolutely hate. Like, <laughs> oh, why are you giving me turnips? Um <laughs> <laughs> <I did>. um, <laughs> so you know you kind of have to play the field you have to kind of think okay who is kind of being more responsive to me and it's kind of interesting because over time you may be more interested in bachelorettes. let's say that you weren't as interested in at the beginning but as you start getting to know them you're like mm-hmm. oh, you know papuri is actually kind of nice you yeah. know she's kind of bubbly and you know happy and um i think i think i was trying to woo karen you know yeah. like mm-hmm. that's that's who i think i was trying to go for she's in a baby yeah mm-hmm. um
2: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say but, um, one of the... Yeah,
1: so you, you you can't really do all of them, but you can kind of see who is kind of working out the most and kind of focus on those.
2: Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys is what do you think... Because we've talked a lot about the whole social aspect of Harvest Moon. So, like going to town, talking to villagers, getting to know them, sort of, you know, vying for some of the Bachelorette's affections and stuff like that. What do you think of of the imp, like the implementation of these kinds of social aspects specifically in RPGs like Harvest Moon because I think nowadays we see much more of it than we used to before. I think there were always games that had some sort of maybe not a dating sim aspect to it but maybe like a social thing where you would interact with party members, or you'd interact with NPCs and stuff like that and they'd have some sort of effect. Um but Harvest Moon really sort of dove Head first into that. So was that was that something that always appealed to you, Ozzy, in in terms of Harvest Moon? Like, were you into the social aspect of it from the beginning?
1: Come on, dude. I mean, we're a podcast that talks about Persona like every <laughs> other episode. <laughs> like, you hadn't played course Persona course when you were playing us. Harvest Moon yeah i wasn't playing persona but that was when i saw persona and i saw that there was a social aspect it immediately brought me back Mm. to Harvest Moon. (laughs) i was like yeah that's exactly what i want in a game um so yeah absolutely i I love the social aspects of it gotcha what
2: about you james
0: yeah um kind of like i mentioned earlier i think the social aspect kind of came later um that my enjoyment of it uh because for me it was just about making money it was about min maxing my days to get the best farm, yeah. the prettiest farm, the nicest house, and all that sort of stuff, and kind of making mm-hmm. friends with people came secondary. And that sounds really mean, okay. but it's
2: like <laughs> like a like a true like a true man
0: of like of a the true farm. man of the farm. Yes, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think what kind of brought me into the social aspect was those little uh, uh, cutscenes that you eventually start getting, and it mm-hmm. it makes you feel more special in the game because you don't just it's not just like this farm tycoon anymore you feel like a part of the town and i think that's you know part Mm -hmm. of the purpose is it's trying to make you feel like you're part of this town that you're making it better and improving the people and the place around you so um i think i'm more into it now and my wife's actually helped me with that because like with stardew she's super into the social aspect Like she's she gets her hearts up with every single person in the town. And so like that that encourages me because I see that she's having a lot of fun with that and it's like, oh, that actually sounds really fun. So I've kinda learned to be more interested in that aspect, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's awesome. Uh, one of the things I don't think we mentioned is that each season brings with it some sort Mm -hmm. of festival. Yes. And so there may be horse racing or there may Mm -hmm. be there's like a tomato throwing festival or something. And um you know, when you see the calendar on the booklet, you like see like, oh, my God, it's a tomato festival. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and uh, it really makes you look forward to what's coming up. Yeah. So, again, there's always something in the horizon mm-hmm. with these games. There's always something that you're looking forward to. Yeah. Like, maybe it's, I don't know, someone's birthday and, you know, you're like, okay, maybe I'm finally going to get the heart from you know black to purple or something mm-hmm. like that um you know th- just to explain like yeah you know your relationship develops and as they develop it goes from like a black heart to like a red heart you mm-hmm. know the max or something yeah um so yeah i mean there's there's so many little things that you can do with these games that you know and eventually some of the games and including friends of mineral town i mean you can marry and have a son yes, etc et and um that to me, at the time, was pretty big because it's like, okay, you can finally be an adult, which is something I'm moving away from as much as I can nowadays. Yep. Um, but <laughs> back then, I really mm-hmm. wanted that's it. all you want, yep. <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, there's just so much you know to enjoy. Just out, out of, of these curiosity, games. yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. No, no, no. I was oh, go gonna ahead. say.
0: Da- so there's obviously a ton to do in these games. You can do the social aspect. You can mine. You can fish. You can do the farming. Mm-hmm. Did does that ever like become a stressful thing for you guys because i think i i have to stay in the mindset of like okay i can't get every single thing done in this day because i'm limited by time and by energy is that something that i'm is for... encouraging or
1: stressful for you in in these type of games
2: I'm forever stressed by that forever stressed. A a little
1: bit of both. I I never find it to be like, okay, I'm tense. Yeah. It's more like hmm, I gotta think about this, man. I'm not gonna (laughs) be able to, like, you have to set Mm -hmm. priorities and I think this game is very good in developing that, a sense of priorities like, okay, I can't I can't not water my plants. Like, yeah. I have to water my plants. Um, I have to water mm-hmm. my crops. So, that goes first. And then from that, it's like, okay, the games usually give you enough stamina to do the things mm-hmm. that you need to do. Yeah. You know, like, it's just a matter of managing your time. Yeah. And one of the things I remember, because time doesn't flow when you're inside a building, is like, I would try to dash from one <laughs> building to the other just to, like, you know, minimize the amount of time yeah. I would run. Yeah. And then I would pick up every chicken. I would pick up all the eggs. I think the most stressful thing for these games, honestly, is managing your rucksack. You know, that's, I think, the part where you really get stressed because you have a lot of things to pick up and not enough room in your rucksack. Yeah. And so that's probably one of the biggest things that you want to improve right away is just kind of expanding it so that it kind of takes away a little bit of the stress. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, for example, I mean, let's say that you're really far deep into the mine, but you don't have any more space for the ores. Like, that's it. Even if you have stamina, you're going to have to go back. And so it's a lot of little systems that kind of make you always be kind of thinking about how to best Mm -hmm. go about things. And so there is a gameplay component here that's very critical, even if you're not really thinking of it as, as a game per se.
2: Yeah. For me, it's, Forever stressful, always stressful. (laughs) But I think, I think when it all comes together, it's like, it always feels like you're spinning a bunch of plates and you're always trying to keep all your plates up. But then the one day where it all comes together and you nail everything and you like everything comes out exactly the way you want it to go, like that's, that's when it's all worth it. Like that's the one that makes me like, all right, I guess I got to, I got to keep yep. going. Cause now I feel so good. Like I get this high from like, I like today was the best day. Like I nailed everything. Everybody I wanted to talk to was super cool. I got all my crops. I did all my stuff. Like that's what it's all for me. At least that's when all the stress is like yeah. worth it yeah. at that
1: point. So, so Arnie, should we talk about some of the later games since I know uh, we're short on time? Uh,
2: yes. Um, one one last thing I wanted to say before we move on from Friends of Mineral Town, real quick, is that there is a remake, um, coming for the Switch in 2019 mm-hmm. in Japan, and it's supposedly going to come to the rest of the world. So you that know,
1: completely changed the aesthetics of it. So I'm correct. a little bit technical <laughs> yeah, it's like about the that. newer aesthetic um, with the old sort
2: yes. of
0: game gameplay.
2: Yep, story of seasons, reunion with Mineral Town, so somehow we were timely with yeah. this episode, accidentally, because I, <laughs> I had no idea You're this was happening. You're always timely
1: with Harvest Moon. There's usually some <laughs> Harvest Moon being released at some point in time in the year. That's true. So, um,
2: yeah. But yeah, so, you know, following up from Harvest Moon, we do see, you know, some of the subsequent games, Save the Homeland, uh, which was well, released on the PS2.
1: Um, yeah, and it was released before Friends of Mineral Town, as I mentioned. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. I, I, I just think that... Um, you know, I just think that it's it's one that I kind of put to the side because Friends of Mineral Town mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, a continuation of Back to Nature. Um, But at the same time, you know, Save the Homeland was one of the ones that really, you know, tried to do something different with the series. And I was so looking forward to it. I mean, this yeah. was 2001. Um, and in 2001, you had a lot of great games. We already said that 2001 was a great year. And, you know, for, for me, one of the ones that I was looking forward to the most was Save the Homeland. And I don't know what it is about this game that just doesn't feel Mm. right. Yeah. Um, I think it's the fact that it was an early PS2 game and the graphics, just lose all of their charm like the the graphics and the the art style that you were accustomed to Mm. In back to nature just kind of disappeared and the game feels very gray and brown Um, and you feel very small it's cel-shaded but it's very simplistic looking and the game doesn't have any voices or mm. anything so it feels weird when you're playing a 3D game it's fully 3D <laughs> it, it was the first harvest moon that was fully 3D where mm-hmm. you could actually like spin the camera on everything yeah and it just made it very cumbersome you can actually get this game nowadays on the PlayStation Network so if you want to try it out yeah. you know it's only like 9 bucks um it's actually also available on the PS4 yeah um so it's a it was a huge disappointment i could not get past the second season mm. in this game. Oh wow. Um it, it, it felt very empty as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it felt very weird to not have the people that I was accustomed to seeing, you know, in Back to Nature yeah. and I don't know. For some reason, just the town didn't feel like that cohesive. Yeah. Do you think um, it
2: was? Do you think that might have been a result of being like the first fully 3D one? Because I know we've talked yeah, about it before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: They were trying to figure things out. The camera was not great. It was very cumbersome to plant your seeds, okay. um, which was an issue in, in Back to Nature. It's a problem I have. It in was my an issue for life. Save the Homeland for entirely mm. different reasons, yeah. but all pertaining to the camera. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think they were just trying to figure out. I don't think that they were a developer with a lot of resources. And so, I don't think that they were really able to make it a very graphically advanced game. And yeah. uh, But I think more than anything, it's just the aesthetics were yeah. not to my liking. Mm-hmm. I, I The game felt very empty. It felt very lifeless, weirdly enough. Yeah. And it made me feel sad, you know? And that's not something <laughs> that's I want to... That's
2: not what Harvest yeah, Moon I don't should wanna, do.
1: I don't want to do that when I play a Harvest Moon yeah. game. Every other game, it felt yeah. lively. Mm-hmm. But this one just felt lonely, yeah. you know? Um, and I just did not take to that. Uh, it's one of the few games, and I hate to say it, but I turned it into hmm. GameStop. Um, I then regretted it because I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, I should just have stayed with it, even if I didn't play it. Yeah, But I actually remember turning it into games, games, GameStop and just picking some other game because I was just like, I don't really like this. Yeah. Um, So, Um, yeah, that's when I thought that I was mm -hmm. done with Harvest Moon.
2: (laughs) I mean, following Save the Homeland comes the game that I'm actually the most curious about, the most, like the one I want to try the most, which is A Wonderful Life. Personally, I think I do own this on PS2, but if you're thinking about getting one version, I, I don't know what the qualitative differences are, but I will say the GameCube version has link cable support with uh friends of mineral mm. town so if you own friends of mineral town you probably want to go with the gamecube one
1: um just for the, the extra contact yeah because uh, wonderful life the one on the ps2 was a special edition so it yeah. added a few things mm-hmm. the problem is that it has some really from what i hear some really bad bugs okay um like game breaking bugs Ooh, okay and uh you know they wouldn't be fixed i think they were fixed in the ps2 or ps3 release yeah the playstation Um, network one yeah yeah but if you're gonna play it on the original system like you know buyer beware yeah um Yeah, so that's, you know, I would say the GameCube version is probably the best bet for you to try. And I will say that's the reason why I never played A Wonderful Life, because it came out on the GameCube first, and I didn't have a GameCube. And Mm so it didn't come out on the PS2 until the PS2 was well on its way out. Yeah. So I didn't really have the opportunity to experience it. And by then, I was also just interested Mm -hmm. in other things. I was playing Shadow of the Colossus and other games that, you know, were more, you know, in my nature at the time. uh, Pardon the pun. Yeah. So I, you know, but it, it looks very interesting because you do play through the entire life of yeah. the character itself. So
2: this is what I wanted because I heard James oohing yeah. when I yeah, was yeah. <laughs> introducing this game. And I think you're sort of interested in the thing, thing I'm interested yeah. about, which is what Ozzy just mentioned, that you can have a, a son um, and you raise him until adulthood. Your character actually dies at the end of this game. I'm I'm Okay, fairly spoiler certain. alert. Jeez, um,
0: Arnoldo. Sorry. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Oh. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Bleep that. Um, but no, basically from what I've read, what happens is you, as you're raising your child, you have an impact on him by taking him to certain places, interacting with him in certain ways. And so at the end of the game, uh, your child can choose one of seven careers. I did not write them down. Um, but there's only two that I guess quote-unquote matter for gameplay um, which is he can choose to become a farmer can choose to become a rancher if he chooses either of these careers then you get to keep playing the game as your child yeah. um, though apparently you can never get married or have like you can't just keep doing it um, if he chooses any of the other five careers then i think the game ends at Musician, that point artist um,
0: scholar athlete yes scientist i believe are the other ones
2: yes yep though you are correct um and so like just don't let him become a lawyer please. <laughs> and so that whole aspect to me is incredibly it interesting is. because it sort of it it you know it just takes you that one step further right like before you had a kid but now it's like you fully interact with this with this other character and you get to sort of have your own input on what they become. And I'm sure you can figure out certain things to make him choose one path or the other. But I think playing it for the first time and just going into it blind would be extremely interesting. Uh, I don't know if you had any specific thoughts on, on that, um, I think what
0: interested me about A Wonderful Life, if I'm uh, remembering my research correctly, I think this is the one that kind of takes the whole game a step in a little bit more of a realistic direction in terms of like... Yes. Um, like with your cows, they stop producing milk after 40 days. Um, they have yep. like, you have to get a male, a male cow, uh, you don't have to kill them every 40 days, but you have to basically have, I think a bull, um, uh, impregnate the cow to have them continue making milk. It's very, uh, very intense. It's not as graphic as it sounds. I think you just put
2: the bull in the same
0: area. <laughs> There's probably some hearts and stuff like that. They're, they're. They're very happy. They both. uh, Yes. Uh, But yeah, I think there's a lot more (laughs) um, realistic elements. I think if I'm thinking of the right game, I think this is the one where you can only till and uh, harvest one square at a time in this one. um, I could be wrong, but they just kind of took a couple more uh, realistic directions. And also um, the time, the time counts up by seconds in this one, I believe and Mm -hmm. it doesn't this is one of the few games that doesn't stop indoors so the time is always ticking and you don't wake up every morning at six o'clock like the other games unless you have the alarm clock so it kind of twists the uh the setup of all the other harvest moon games a little bit in this one
2: yeah um and so then following a wonderful life that's when, you know, as Ozzy had alluded to way earlier in the episode, like you start to see – I think it did start with A Wonderful Life where they start breaking the standard Harvest Moon mold. But then you get Magical Melody on the GameCube and the Wii, um, Tree of Tranquility, Animal Parade. And I I, th- I agree with Ozzy, like you start seeing – a, a little bit of a decline in the quality, at least from my perspective, and obviously I haven't played that many Harvest Moon games, but um, at least from the research I did, it doesn't seem to be,
1: you know, the, they don't seem to be the most fondly remembered in the series. Um, but yeah, they- I don't think it's a matter necessarily of quality. It's just I think they they changed the aesthetic. Yeah, the aesthetic component, the stories were different, and I think when you really get down to it, it's probably the fact that. People were mm-hmm. growing older, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just they started growing away from this game. Yeah. So it's hard for them to be interested in games that they never really had a fondness for. Um, and it's also on the Wii, you know, and the Wii was kind of a, a wasteland for a lot of games that could have been decent, <laughs> but were on the Wii. And so they were never they never really sold because people were not buying those games because mm-hmm. they were fine with just Wii Sports.
2: Yep. Um and so, following off of that, what we really see and where I think, like, the true impact and legacy of Harvest Moon lies is in the spin offs and games that clearly are, in some ways, inspired by Harvest Moon. So, we've talked about most of these Rune Factory, um, Innocent Life, the futuristic Harvest Moon, um, Stardew Valley is obviously, I think, the biggest one mm-hmm. at this point, you know, just because it, it's so closely tied to Harvest Moon. Like, it's so, it's so obviously a, an homage to Harvest Moon. Um, and obviously it's, I mean, it's a very, if, if, if I'm to believe what people have told me about, it,
1: it's a very good yes. game, which I'm sure yep. helps. Um, and then. It, well, I mean, it started out as a Harvest Moon spinoff. Exactly. Yeah, and um, then and then it just uh, it was called the Fantastic Harvest Moon or a Fantasy Harvest Moon uh, or something like that, and then it just it just it, you okay. know they ended up just going with just Rune Factory. Yeah,
2: and then you see like in other games you see some aspects of Harvest Moon, like Animal Crossing is one that I know is not you know doesn't revolve around farming, but I can see some of like at least personally I can see some things that I recognize as Harvest Moon inspired mm-hmm. in that game, um, and uh, you know like. Animal Crossing is one of Nintendo's biggest franchises at this point. So, like, people like this sort of stuff. Like, it's very clear now that even what started as a concept that was clearly very strange, like, has now evolved into something that people really, really enjoy in one form or another. Um, You know, and I guess I just want to ask you guys, like, looking back on Harvest Moon and what it did, what it, you know, what it's become, like do we need more games like Harvest Moon or do we have enough now? Like, is this a genre that needs to sort of continue on or has it... Do the games we have now sort of take it to its ultimate conclusion? Um, Ozzy, what do
1: you think? Why do you want to kill it, dude?
2: (laughs) I don't want to kill it. I'm just saying, like... (laughs)
1: No, yeah, of course. Okay. Of course we should have more games like this. I mean, we can always improve upon them. Okay. We can always bring them to a new generation and and bring this kind of peaceful mm-hmm. gameplay experience to new players. Yeah. I, I don't see why we ever need to move away from that. Um, so, yeah, I just think that it would be good to, you know, right now we have Stardew Valley. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much the best successor to Harvest mm-hmm. Moon that you could have. Yeah. Um, and it's bringing it to a new generation, uh, and it's really become very well received. And people are, you know, going through the same loop that we used to go through with Harvest Moon. And I think that's really a testament to how much love went into the game based on that nostalgia for the original game. So, yeah, I think that, you know, bring them on. I mean, I think that more and more people are coming to terms with the idea that this is something fun and that they should play Um, not you know dismiss it just because it sounds like something that they're not accustomed to or that it would not be fun yeah um you know we saw things like farmville grow up on on facebook you Mm -hmm. know there's something about farming that people Mm -hmm. just kind of take to farming you know there's also farming simulator which is completely different (laughs) from harvest moon but (laughs) it's still farming simulator so there's there's something about it that people kind of really connect with the idea of kind of going back to your roots of your ancestors of having to raise your livestock of raise your crops etc you know grow your crops it's it's something that speaks to us on a mm-hmm. primal level, mm-hmm. I think, and um, it's good for developers to tap into that.
2: Yeah. Uh, what about you, James? As you log in your 600th hour of Stardew Valley, <laughs> uh, uh, do you think like more people need to experience games like absolutely
0: this? Absolutely to that. I personally think, um, okay. in regards this is going to sound super negative for a Harvest Moon episode, in regards <laughs> to Harvest Moon as a franchise, as an IP, I think Harvest Moon mm-hmm. can die, but I think the okay this type of farming game i totally agree with aussie it t- it should totally stick around i think stardew has proven that it's an amazing game and it's kind of really um made it available to the masses you have something like my time at porsche mm-hmm. which is kind of taking more of a harvest moon yep. 3d aspect and that seems to have been a really good game you have other spinoffs like graveyard keeper there's just so many games that like you mentioned have been inspired by the harvest moon style of game and i'm i'm all about the continual iteration and improving on that um that type of genre but i think in terms of just Mm -hmm. harvest moon as a whole it seems like that brand has gotten so convoluted and messed up at this point it's like maybe the um maybe them redoing friends of mineral town will be an amazing game and i hope that but i think Mm -hmm. just the brand itself because of all these split-offs of the company and all that sort of stuff they kind of just need a clean slate and to start over in making these types of types of games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, I, you know, the remake of Friends of Mineral Town is coming next year. We don't know if we're going to receive it. Yeah. But we are receiving one of the, you know, latest Story of Seasons games. Yep. And that's yep. the Doraemon, um, which is a Japanese manga, you know, an anime. Um, there's a, a kind of crossover between really? Doraemon. And the story of seasons. And that one is very much in the vein of Harvest Moon, mm. uh, but with the ryman mm. characters in it. Yeah. So, that one is coming out in October of this year. I mean, so, yeah. So, we're going to be very topical with this episode. Yeah.
2: I mean, it, for my part, just to wrap it up, like, I think any game that makes you smile like Harvest Moon does, like... You know, I, I wasn't a, a Harvest Moon fan, but like I can't sit down and play this game and, and be upset. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just it puts you in that mood. Like it's, it's just enjoyable. Like even when things don't necessarily go your way, I don't think I've ever been angry <laughs> playing a Harvest Moon game or a game like Harvest Moon. Like and I think there's there's value in yeah. that, right? There's value in in that sort of. Environment that sort of gameplay that just puts you in a in a good mood and lets you relax and lets you you know feel a sense of accomplishment in creating something from nothing, which is what at the end of the day I think most Harvest Moon's games do. But I think you might be right, James, and I think the name Harvest Moon may not be what's best for it going forward. But maybe Story mm-hmm. of Seasons will continue that that quality that we expect from Harvest Moon and other developers who played Harvest Moon grew up loving that game will. You know, make their own takes on it that we'll enjoy for years to come. So, I'm I'm hopeful that that's that that's what'll happen, and that Harvest Moon will be remembered very mm-hmm. fondly. Yeah. Um. So I think with that, we'll wrap it up, guys. So James, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, the best place to find me is honestly on Instagram at Clutchkin
0: Gaming, or you can search for my podcast, which is just Clutchkin Gaming Podcast. It's on pretty much every podcast app that you can find. So. Just search that or you can go to my website, which is www.kkgpod.com.
2: Perfect. And if we haven't made it abundantly clear by now, please go listen to Clutch Kitten Gaming Podcast. (laughs) It's an incredible podcast, especially if you're a Switch owner. If you're interested in indie games whatsoever, um, it's a great place to just go and, you know, unlike our show get a nice bite-sized, uh, overview of a game that you might be thinking about getting mm-hmm. and sort of get a perspective on it that I think, you know, James is generally very positive in his reviews. And I think you can trust his opinions on things in that he's quite, he's quite fair. Um, at least from the episodes I've heard. If so you also want to hear I me, really enjoy if you it. also
0: want to hear me review, uh, games that Arnoldo pushes on me, like Doki Doki literature oh, club, yeah. that is the best place <laughs> to go. <laughs>
2: I know. That's the only branded content on the on the <laughs> podcast is branded by me because I made that's him play it. Right. Um, but yeah, Ozzy, why don't you tell people where they can find us?
1: So, uh, we have a website, uh, hooray, um, that's regionfreegamers.com and there you can find companion pieces to this episode like this one. Sweet. Um, where you can hear some of the songs that we play on the episode and we give you some pictures and talk to you a little bit more about some of the things that we discuss on the on the episode and we also have exclusive articles from people in the instagram world from other folks that are really into this hobby and uh yours truly and other Mm co-hosts so make sure to check that out um if you want to talk to us we're always on instagram at region free gamers podcast and also on Twitter, at RegionFreeGamer, not with an S, because that's Twitter for you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you can basically find us anywhere. And uh, really, the website is kind of your one-stop shop for Gamers. So if you want to see what we're cooking up, uh, definitely make sure to visit us there.
2: All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We love you all very much. Uh, Keep tilling your fields. Keep milking (laughs) your cows. Keep shearing your sheep. Keep doing all that good stuff. Take care of each other. Love y'all.
1: Peace. Cheers. Thank you. Every day, you kind of have to give your chickens a little bit of love.